That All means right. it hasn't started recording. We're now it is. Progress. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garland Pepper Presents podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Simone Zeron, and uh, we're uh, here. We're having a good time. This is our third try uh, recording. We've already done two hours of, of non recording recording. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so that was this my is the fault. after party yeah we're having the, this is the after party right now we know everything about Simona so now I'm going to pretend that I don't and uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh Simona is one of my favorite people in Clubhouse uh, Clubhouse is an app uh, where it's it's uh, audio media only and people talk about amazing things and you meet amazing people like Simona so Simona is an ex-journalist 25 years in journalism print and digital she is a pop, excuse me. She is a podcaster, has three podcasts, two on food and one on uh, quitting smoking, or which is something that she did what, three years ago. And yay. Two, two years, two years two and years, two months. Two years, two months, 14 hours and seven minutes. <laughs> and and uh, so she teaches small business owners how to use media. That's a real big thing nowadays. And, and a lot of businesses are like, I don't know what to do. Simona comes in and says, this is what you do, baby. And she takes care of them. Uh, so voiceover artist, that's interesting. So you've done like a lot of voiceover work and uh, actually became nationally televised winner of a contest in 2009. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Heart Chef's Kitchen is is the uh the podcast uh, or is actually the side business doing a little yeah food. it's a side hustle now only on the weekends so okay you get a little food for the people on the weekends mm -hmm. um yeah there's always a wedding in india that you can make a lot of money off of making food on that um oh, it's not a lot of money but definitely is a lot of joy for sure oh, for me oh, at least oh yeah the food's tough to make a living on unless you really work mm. a lot, if, unless you have volume, a lot of volume. Yes, exactly. Because then you can, then your margins start to slip away. It gets a little crazy without the volume. <laughs> so I like this bicycle project. So the bicycle project where you're actually taking bikes from Mumbai, which is, there's more wealth there and, and then getting that out to the rural school children out and about yeah, throughout they India. walk like... Yeah, they walk anywhere between five to seven kilometers, sometimes 20 in extreme cases, one way just to get to school. That's that's ridiculous. I don't even walk one kilometer a day, even when I want to. And I can't imagine children who have <laughs> access to free education and, you know, they, they reach school exhausted if they get there. And then depending on the weather, plus imagine the dropout rate when the girls reach puberty. They don't want to be coming home alone in the dark. Their parents don't want them coming home alone in the dark. And yeah. therefore, they get pulled out of school. So uh, bikes that nobody was using in the city, suddenly doing so much more. Even the bikes themselves have a new lease on life, right? Like that they were yeah. made to be used, not to be rotting in some garage and getting rusty and, and like wondering, how did I get here? And instead, they're making kids happy. They're getting them educated. And it just, it was a fab, it, the project ended finally after 12 years of an incredible experience of bringing community together because we never got around to registering it as an NGO. And yet people gave us their time, their expertise, their contacts and money. Mm. Nobody gives money without an ATG certificate in return as a tax rebate. And right. these people were like, we don't even care. We love your work. Please tell us how we can help. And 12 years of that, only wrapped up because the pandemic suddenly made all the coordination very difficult. So right. uh, there was this very amazing couple that I know um, that are very dear friends of mine. And they and I together started this project. And then suddenly 
everyone joined in it was it was the most magical thing if if i have done nothing else and will do nothing else in my life the fact that i got to do this makes my time here uh, completely worth it that's wonderful so yeah india really is I mean, Mumbai, like you were saying earlier, when when nobody else was listening because we weren't recording. But <laughs> um, <laughs> you're saying Mumbai is it's 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 culturally, environmentally, just so much different than than the rest of India. It is completely unique. The you know Bombay city is just unlike the rest of India. And when people call it, oh, you know, it's uh, it's the New York of the East, and and. And Bombay is like up there with with Tokyo and Paris and Berlin and of course New York that's not a small feat in fact we are the financial capital and by we I mean the royal we Bombay I hate calling it Mumbai by the way um we'll get into Bombay. that later it's Bombay man it's you were, Bombay you it grew up was. you were born it into Bombay and when they changed, they exactly. changed it when you were alive, right? They changed okay. the name exactly because they changed the name for like political reasons and you know very nationalistic, very xenophobic, and just um, rewriting history to to be conveniently uh, aligning with the current uh, dictator's point of view. And I refuse to. Of course, I will still put my postal mail as Mumbai because otherwise it won't go anywhere or won't reach me. But uh, my parcels and everything, I insist everybody uses Mumbai. But I'm going to quote a T-shirt that clearly there aren't enough uh, prints of. Mumbai is a city, but Bombay is an emotion. Ah. <laughs> so yeah, so absolutely. So Bombay is so super unique, and I think having been born and raised in this city, it's in- almost impossible for me to imagine living anywhere else in this country. I've tried and I failed miserably, mm. and. Um, yeah, I came crawling back in a in a hurry as fast as I could. And it was a damn good job. It was, in fact, the most, I will admit, the most highest paying job I've ever had in my life. Um, since I don't intend to ever have a job job again, I think that'll be the highest paying job I've ever, ever had in my life. And I was miserable, partly because I was cut off from this city. This city has a buzz and a vibe that it also is an attitude. I mean... Random strangers will help you, but also everyone's too busy to stop and notice if, you know, something, something's going on. It's like, okay, everyone's replaceable. Everyone is dispensable. If you don't show up, there's 10 people waiting to take your place because the competition's so high. It's very cutthroat. And yet it's, it's just brilliant. I mean, like I, I was saying, you know, random strangers will stop. And help you and that time is literally money so you know how valuable it is that they're helping you because they're in a rush to get somewhere because if they don't reach they're going to be replaced by someone so when they stop to help you you know that oh my god and and there's so many sides of this city that you know just uh people from the outside don't even know exist and what you don't know about me gary which is not in the intro that i sent you is that i do heritage tours and food walks and i show off my city to people who sometimes are locals who aren't aware of all the treasures that are there in the city mm-hmm. to domestic tourists from other parts of the country who come to Bombay like, oh, Bollywood. I'm like, Shh, there's a lot more than just Bollywood. So I show them what that a lot more is, all the little hidden treasures and the, the beautiful spaces, but with more 
like pop culture stories and also pointing out things like while it's like all right so this is the prince of wales museum built in 1800 and blah 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 and that's the whatever and this is the whatever and that's the school that little baby simona terran went to because uh whatever and they're like wait what <laughs> so, you know blending it into like really cool pop culture but also my culture it's my city and showing off the places i grew up in and the food that i ate and the memories that i have and that's why people enjoy going on these tours with me and then when i bake them food walks you know what happens when it's me and food so yeah. i really love the city and i'm very grateful that i was born here because uh, the exposure i've had the kind of opportunities i've had my parents correction my mother really worked her ass off to make sure that my three my two siblings and i that we three kids got the best education and in fact even better than she could afford and for that i will always be very grateful so growing up in bombay plus the awesome education plus the exposure to you know so many cool people and cool things and then the opportunities that came my way working in the media world because everybody from all over india comes to bombay for the opportunities and i was born here so mm-hmm. i i think i'm truly blessed and which is also why i don't think i'll survive in any other city in india because i'll always compare it to bombay and there is no place like bombay where where are they putting all the um i know the the tech there's a new silicon valley being built in india that's in bangalore that is okay bangalore. so that is a close that is a close uh contender for where i would want to live uh, where mm-hmm. i've considered wanting to live if i ever move out of bombay and it is it is it is known for the most beautiful weather it is uh, always just a little bit rainy very very cool very pleasant very green unfortunately that's that's off the plan because so much construction so much overcrowding and so much well pollution obviously if you're going to have the first two there's going to be the third and traffic snarls it's it's uh, it's a city i love visiting for any excuse but i don't think i'd want to live there and that's the silicon valley of india that's uh, you're absolutely right that's the it hub of and pretty much the world it's in the mountains is it it's in the hills no it's it's not in the no. hills i mean there are hills surrounding it but no it's 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 very urban right now and it's down south so mm. it's uh, also known for great food and uh, beer like there's lots of pubs it's the pub city it's the first pub city in in india that really was known for that pub culture you know where you had handcrafted brews before it was a hipster thing um and it, there's something called ub city which is united breweries so it it had that whole lifestyle and culture vibe in a much broader sense than any of the other cities i mean bombay was always known to be like hip and all of that but bengaluru i hate saying that name bangalore okay i'm sorry bangalore uh it just had this very chill vibe and because it attracted so much of investment in terms of the it world and you know tech it just uh, had all of these young people and they needed some place to go chill out after these really high paying strenuous jobs so that also made the culture like really very uh, youthful and extremely like progressive and food wise then that attracted because obviously where there's whining then there'll be dining and then there'll be grinding 
I'm kidding. But the best <laughs> chefs open restaurants there. I mean, that's the song, right? One in and down, in and brand. Anyway, so basically, all, all the chefs that had restaurants anywhere in Delhi, Bombay, whatever, they always have some of the most exquisite outlets, like a version that will be a lot more gourmet in Bangalore. So yeah, Bangalore, love it. I'm glad you brought it up because I did consider moving there. But now, yeah. that's all. It's just so packed right now because everybody's there. Yeah. Yeah. And the weather's changing because of all the construction and the traffic snarls. I'm like, then I might as well stay in Bombay. Also, they don't have the sea. And I oh. got to have the sea. You oh, yeah. Have have I got to have the sea. I have See, to I, have the sea. I grew up a complete water baby. I have to have water nearby. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, this house we live on now, uh, we live in now on the creek. It's beautiful. Um, water's always running, you know, and, and in the winter, it's, it's like the ocean itself in terms of just, you know, crashing waves and every now and then you'll actually see standing waves in the water. It's beautiful. I have to be by water. You know, we, there was a house that was twice the house as this house up on the market. The same time we bought this house in terms of like higher quality, better upgrades, everything on the other house was great. Super garage, but it didn't have water exact same price, you know? And yeah. you know, we bought bought this old hundred year old house. Hundred years. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my God! Let's not get into how hard it is to maintain a house because I live in a house too, and I am as much as people envy. Like, wow, you live in a house because in Bombay, that's real estate is insane. Most people and live in apartments. apartments, which are the size of matchboxes, and yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's a lot. But then when you get to the taking care of a house and being a single person living alone yeah, with cats who are completely useless, like they can't hold a hammer to save their lives. They don't know how the absolute basics of fixing anything or cleaning. No. They're just useless. So then you. the owner's pretty much not even. They're like, yeah, wake me up when you're done. Like, you know, and don't forget to feed me. So um, <laughs> they're, yeah, their job is to destroy things. Like whether it's like scratching my furniture or like peeing on things randomly, their job is to destroy. But no, but coming back to the house thing, there is a certain um, peace and that comes from having just space, you know? And when you talk about water, I think it's a, uh, there's a pros and cons of that, right? Because water can also damage. My house has been flooded twice. And uh, you're in, in 2020, and then again <laughs> in 2021. Um, oh my goodness. And I don't know about this year. Oh, yeah, I have rain PTSD as much. Uh, I've never really enjoyed the rain living in Bombay because you see, rain in Bombay, monsoons. We don't even have rain, we have monsoons. Like, that, yeah. that's not kidding, right? The rat rain is like when I was in Paris for the first time in my life, and then it's like, oh, it's raining. And I saw people opening up umbrellas. I'm like, where and it, it just felt like someone was on a really higher floor of a building um outside of which i was standing and that they were just spitting on me and it, that's not rain like you guys know rain i mean come to bombay we'll show you rain mm -hmm. and the rain my god the monsoons and everything it just turns everything that's already really difficult about bombay it just exacerbates that right so traffic <gasps> super traffic stalls um like garbage uh mess mark amplify that and now it's like floating everywhere so yeah, like ah, everywhere. mobile garbage and more than that also stuff getting clogged in the drains and 
things getting flooded and just getting from anywhere to anywhere is a nightmare. And yeah, Bombay in the rain is wonderful if you can sit at your window and have a cup of tea and eat some pakoras and then it's beautiful. And when people put it on Instagram and say, oh, you know, pluvio file. I'm like, die, bitch. Like, no. So <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not cool. Or if you live the air conditioned life, because in Bombay, there's a, in India, generally, there's a lot of economic disparity. You're going to have the guy in the Jaguar and with the freaking comb over and a, like a very expensive suit. Yeah. And his wife is going to be wearing more jewelry than you'd ever want to have in your life. And then on the, on the same street at the signal, tapping on his door, a window, is is a beggar who you know is part of a beggar mafia obviously and if that kid doesn't make a certain amount of income that day they're gonna have some digits chopped off so it's a lot of economic disparity but uh, coming back to water i think living next to the ocean is what has kept me sane in bombay and has kept bombay alive or we'd have been a delhi a long time ago new delhi is so polluted that gas masks are not even a meme anymore Mm. And the, the pollution index has crossed every possible limit. And it's just terrible. And I think we technically would have been there maybe 20 years ago, except mm-hmm. that we have two great gifts. One is the ocean, mm-hmm. because Bombay is along the western coast of India. And we have the most unique thing in the whole world. So Bombay has this natural forest right in the heart of the city. Oh. It's a forest. It's not like Central Park or something. It's not man-made at all. In fact, it's so biodiverse. It's so rich. They find new species of birds, insects, and plants every year. Wow. And then again, if that's not enough, there's a cherry on the cake. It has Buddhist caves from the 2nd to the 10th century BC. Intact, accessible and really? available to the public for like a ridiculous amount, like a third of a dollar. <laughs> so these, they, I they kid you not. Buddhists dug like tunnels and is that what they did? They were caves. So it's, it's a super rich thing that we could have an entire podcast episode just on that. Cause I do tours and I take people there. And the best part is it's like 20 minutes from my home by, mm-hmm. you know, by road and as in my vehicle. <clears throat> And it's just uh, incredible because, I mean, think about it. Second century BC, man, like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And the Buddhists at that time, there was a whole community. It was uh, academic. It was also on the route to to Greece and Mesopotamia. So travelers who were on that route would halt here for shelter, for free Mm -hmm. and food with only one request, that they take the message of Buddhism to wherever they were traveling to. And that along the way, they inspire and, you know, kind of educate other people about this. That was their only ask that we give you free accommodation and food for as long as you're, you know, here. And when you're ready to travel again, in the meanwhile, they're also inviting them to discussions and, you know, uh, little talks about Buddhism. And uh, it was just beautiful. And they, they have an irrigation system that's insane. A water collection, not irrigation, but the rainwater would get uh, collected and they've carved channels in the rock. So you have fresh, clean spring water through the year. It's just nice. at that time, at that at second century BC, dude, I mean, it's That's beautiful. Crazy. And they lived a very austere life, but they also encouraged art and music and, uh, you know, so much, 
so much intellectual discussion and a, a feeling of sort of the reason they were up there is also because they were persecuted right because mm. the the general uh, population and the kings and all that they don't want people being preached to about freedom independence about thinking they want to be able to control them and keep them in society where they are just like minions and puppets basically whereas these guys preached something bigger a larger vision and all of that so yeah we're getting sidetracked but i you can tell i'm really proud of living in this city and the fact that i have all these amazing things how can i not show this off so yeah i that's also one more thing that i do because of which i again get to interact with people from different parts of the world like i was doing clubhouse before clubhouse right right <laughs> but right. in real life in real life and telling these stories and them in turn sharing theirs so it's always been a beautiful way for me to kind of travel vicariously without ever leaving my city and yeah that's a long answer to your question man about like so tell me a little bit about yourself so you're from bombay <laughs> and then 20 minutes later <laughs> well it's obvious that you love it like you just really love your community i'm wondering about some of the houses you got to get into when you were doing the l magazine l design was oh yeah oh yeah my god that's the another the another time that you realize how the super rich live and l l decor was for me the most fabulous experience simply because i came from a newspaper background where it was all about uh so and so bridge collapses 32 people injured you know local corporator arrested and uh, other things like road widening project will take uh six months with so and so person in charge ooh i want that <laughs> like, one assign me that and, job and i'm like this is the kind of stuff we're covering right but it is hyper local and we were doing like um civic stuff and whatever so it for me it was very meaningful at that time but when you come from this background and suddenly you're on the lati dal world of magazine editing and you're like everyone talks about things as though i'm like are these guys on planet earth like hello but but that's the disparity between the in the media world with the newspaper and the magazine crowd completely distinct and for me realizing that i couldn't stay in the newspaper world uh with the salary that i was getting working for one of the biggest companies media companies in india i'm like i can't pay rent and you know have a hope of saving any money or do anything in life at this rate uh i need to move to magazines and uh the intimidating part for me was i just imagined and i wasn't really that wrong that everyone in magazines just you know has to dress spiffy your net worth is what you're wearing that day and the handbag you're carrying and the branded watch that you're wearing and all of that stuff because that's what fits into the whole image because magazines we're talking like lifestyle right, right. so whether you're getting into the food the fashion the uh, travel i mean what else is there and the terrible thing that i realized is that in in bombay even in bombay okay let me just say this and this is going to get me into a lot of trouble uh, but i'll say it anyway i mean why stop now um a lot of the women who come from upper upper middle class like okay let's just call it what is filthy rich backgrounds and in the upper middle class would join the media industry as one of the safe jobs to have because you don't really have to get out into the 
real world. Everything is curated. You get only the best opportunities. You're networking within only the finest of the finest, right? Because it's all PR and media are just all linked together. So you're getting invited to launches and seminars and conferences. You're living in a little bubble. And then you're just going to do this as long as it takes for you to then find the perfect guy to get married. And you switch from daddy's credit card to husband's credit card. But you still have a legitimate job to go to and look busy and also get to continue to network and build your brand. Because you, God forbid, you want to be known as just somebody's wife, even though essentially that is your biggest social uh, ticket. And I saw many of these and I luckily realized that thankfully the media industry, the magazine world in India, at least in Bombay, is not just these women. And there's nothing about being judgmental about these women either. Some of them ran the best magazines ever. But I mean, it is what it is, right? So I, I didn't fit into this world. I couldn't relate to this world. And I presumed it was only dominated by this elite, um, you know, women and then I found out that, okay, there's others like me as well, who are all like trying to just pass, mm -hmm. you know, who are, who are masking and passing and doing their own thing as well. And uh, for me, that was a very stressful part of the magazine world because it was all about image. Like, you know, you have to, El Decor, we were doing events, art and design shows, award shows. I mean, it was fabulous, but I felt like I was living two different lives. You know, there was for me who came from the journalism world, who got into journalism because somewhere, somehow wanting to change the world a little bit, or at least be responsible for some element of, you know, social, uh, I don't know, some change. Mm -hmm. And then living in this very, very superficial world, like design and art and architecture, which are all great, but when it's only that, it starts to feel really hollow. And then finally, that was what sparked off the bicycle project with a conversation I had with this super amazing couple that I'm still friends with. I think we've been friends for, oh my God, so long. But, you know, I think the bicycle project saved my life because at that point, I started to feel really shit about working in a celebrity magazine. After El Decor, I moved to a magazine that was a very international celebrity magazine. And this was the Indian version. And while I learned a lot from, again, another amazing boss, amazing boss in El Decor, amazing boss in, in uh, well, Hello Magazine. Hello. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And um, so that's Hello like India. people like. Uh, yeah, like... yeah, yeah. People came to India just after that. Like they were our competitors. Uh, or so just it's, they they were. it's all. Yeah, it's, it's yellow journalism, starts. man. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is what's know. happening. People so and so had their baby. People yeah. stars. Hello was more like the, uh, how do you say, the old, old guard. Like people is celebrities and the, the nouveau riche. Whereas Hello Magazine is the old money who doesn't grant interviews to just about anyone where they get paid so that we can feature them in a magazine, talk about how many helicopters they bought and how many mansions they have or chateaus they have in Montmartre and where, they, where do they go for their charity work with Richard Gere and all of that. And what am I doing? So, you know, I used to have that crazy moment where I'm like, what am I even doing here? But I think that's a good thing because what came out of it was that desire to do something is what made the bicycle project happen and i feel like 
that was the most amazing gift because it was such a simple idea, Gary. Okay, kids are not riding their bikes in the city because they've got video games. They don't have a safe place to ride without getting knocked over. And they don't have the time. They've got karate classes and music classes and ballet classes and boxing and God knows what else. And so those bikes are just rusting, becoming a sort of fire hazard in, in the stairwells or breeding mosquitoes or whatever it is. And we just took those bikes and fixed them up and gave them to kids who went to rural village schools. And these were tribal kids. So it's like there are layers of exploitation and discrimination and neglect, right? So when you see tribal, it's so much, so much that you're, that you're just trying to fix that's unfixable. But one right. bike that nobody wanted suddenly made such a difference. And these kids walking to school five to seven, and there was an extreme case where we realized this child was walking 20 kilometers, man, one way, one way. Mm. Who the fuck walks 20 kilometers unless you're doing some kind of marathon training or something and this is a child in all Long kinds of ways. weather yep because getting giving free education creating schools and building them great government bravo um, how are these kids going to get to school so they were hitching rides do you know how dangerous that is children hitching rides from truck drivers and all kinds of assorted uh, you know come on because who wants to walk that much I, I don't walk that much when, even when I want to for health reasons so I really felt that that project for me was a huge eye-opener because sitting in an office in an air-conditioned building with a computer and writing stories to educate the public and you know illuminate all of the stuff that social injustices and inequity is one thing mm -hmm. and then actually doing something about about it completely different so yeah I really feel that if I if I do literally nothing again ever in my life I have done this and I've got to be part of this magical movement because people that we met, they just trusted us. They came forward. Like, how can I help? How can I, how can I like help you get the bikes transported or how can I help get them repaired? Can I give you money? Can I give you contacts? Can I speak to corporate houses for you? And we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't have a registration. We're not an NGO. We can't give you an ATG certificate. And they're like, we didn't even ask. We had uh, incredible people come on board. Like this is a, uh, this is going to be a little hard to share, but I have to because our logo, it was a very, very beautiful logo, uh, a bicycle with a book on it. And it was designed by this guy who is no more. And uh, he is just, he passed away in, in 2017 in July. And uh, his name was Neil. And Neil just was a very serious guy, very talented uh, graphic designer and uh, has also won lots of awards and everything. And when I met him and we were discussing the project, he says, okay. So I said, we can't really afford you. Like, what is the cheapest you can do our logo for, etc." And he said, so I'm not going to charge you for your logo. But the day that your uh, project ends, I'm going to send you a bill. I'm like, sorry, what? So he's like, yeah, I'll give you the logo, but you've got to promise to keep the project running like forever nice. for as long as it takes. <laughs> and I was like, who, who does that? Right. And he designed Brilliant. our logo for us. He was amazing. And so I always want to like remember him and pay tribute to him because uh, our logo just kind of conveyed everything, you know, and uh, it was a, a magical experience. The, uh, the kind of people it brought together and the kind of uh, change we were able to do. 
but unfortunately 2020 not unfortunately i think the project ran its course 12 years is a really good good amount of time and i think uh the amount of press coverage we got the kind of events we did etc including like gorilla style marketing like we would just show up at the kalagoda art festival which is this really well known uh 10-day affair in the south of the city and we just showed up with this tandem bicycle spray painted in like bright colors and we were offering people rides just so that we could talk to them about the project and we didn't we didn't pay a penny and nobody kicked us out but we had a lot of fun until today i think many people still remember the project very fondly and the best part it inspired other the idea was very simple right this this thought like it's not complicated at all they just uh People, it inspired people across the country to start similar projects. And so when the pandemic came along and we started hitting obstacles for distribution and all of these things, we just said, you know what, I think it's it's time to call it a day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was that was the bicycle project in India. 12 years, 12 years. So you oh, yeah. kind of, you've moved on now to uh, raising awareness for gender uh Gender-based, gender-based violence. violence. So this so was uh, not a natural segue. Had a lot of. I know this is a weird segue, isn't it? Um, but, not not really. It, it there was a void in my life, and I was like feeling a little bit of an itch that okay, what you know, what next, what now? I started to do events to raise um, awareness about to give a platform to other people to help raise awareness about their causes because I just felt that the amount of community involvement that the bicycle project had and uh, engendered was so beautiful. And then I saw so many activists, each struggling in their own nation, reinventing the wheel. I'm like, wait, you work in aware, raising awareness about composting and teaching people how to segregate garbage and, you know, kind of minimize the load on landfills. And you work with, you know, growing your own food and micronutrients and how we can all teach little kids to grow microgreens at home so they get involved with their food. Why don't you all know each other? And I was like, found it ridiculous that everyone's working in silos. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started this sort of monthly event and there was a, a place which gave me their space for free. They actually charge a lot of money, but they, they gave it to me for free. Uh, in one of the best suburbs in in uh, Bombay called Bandra. And it was a very fancy bookstore, which used to hold regular events as well. And they gave me the space for free because I just simply told them about the bicycle project. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing these events where I would give uh, people who were working for a particular cause a platform where they got to network with each other, but also speak about their individual projects. And then it was open to the public. People could come and decide whether they wanted to volunteer, to fund them, or just spread the word, et cetera, et cetera. But this wasn't really enough. And it was a lot for one person to do alone. And then uh, uh, two years ago, it took, there was a big gap in my life. And then two years ago, um, my friend Diana Linda, who is an expat living in India for the last 20 years, she started working on this. She'd been working on this in a different way. Like she did a photo exhibition on uh, transgender uh, models like she posed them as fashion uh, models and then told their stories you know mm-hmm. some of which were very hard and very 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 gritty very gripping yeah but she didn't do the whole pity thing like she was like just celebrating them like these gorgeous creatures that they were mm-hmm. and the photographs were taken by a, an Italian photographer who flew down and the whole thing was 
sponsored by the Italian Chamber of Commerce. And I think in the process, she realized, I need to do something for this community because in India, you know, the trans community, the LGBTQIA plus community has been exploited, discriminated against and attacked for so long simply because we had a horribly draconian law until very recently called Section 377 that actually made homosexuality illegal Mm. and punishable by law. And that law was misused a lot. And it finally got overturned. And then again, it was repealed. And again, it got overturned. And finally, we're hoping now the bill gets passed where, you know, uh, gay marriage becomes a reality. So it's, it's a long path. And in the process, the more she interacted with the community, she realized, and even we had friends in common, and we realized that uh, this community needs more visibility and also that gender-based violence, it's not just women who get, get uh, who are on the receiving end of it. It's also men, but it's mainly the LGBTQIA plus community because they don't even have any recourse. They go to the police station, they either get mocked or brutalized further. So yeah, so we launched um, in 2020, officially during the UN uh, Gender-Based Violence Week. And you know, it's actually violence against women, but we were like, no, no, we're gonna piggyback on this and we need, we need everyone to get mm-hmm. support. So we've been managing somehow, we run an online program called ESD, which is Empowerment Self-Defense. It's absolutely free. So we're really struggling for funds and mm-hmm. we managed to, we're properly registered and everything and we can give people an ATG or a 12A certificate for a tax rebate if they give us donations, but that's only in India. And it's only after five years that we'll be eligible for the FCRA, you know, international donations thing. But we're doing it by the book. And also we're very active in terms of, uh, you know, reaching out and doing workshops with other NGOs and we've worked with schools and we've worked with uh, a teaching organization in Singapore. We want to do more. We want to do more, but uh, we're very <laughs> excited that as we're doing, we're also learning and it's tough. It's really, really tough because it's also very triggering, you know, when you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, when you hear some crazy stories and when you're running workshops, uh, at least for me, I came from a very, uh, very violent, very abusive home. And uh, it's not that I did not have a good childhood. Uh, that childhood also included a great amount of violence mm-hmm. and abuse. So it can be on one hand, very triggering, but on the other hand, I feel like, okay, here's the help that I can help these people get to that I didn't have access to when I was growing up, that my mother didn't have access to, you know? So it's in some sense, it's also very edifying. It feels like uh, some healing is happening because of that. You have three major religions in India that that tend to be always in conflict. And I imagine the, the, the major one being Hindi, but you have Buddhism and you have, actually it's for Christianity in the South, with Catholicism and and you know the um, the Sikh up north and and each of these religions have have an idea about sexuality and so that's what what we find ourselves fighting against here is mm. you know once somebody thinks something's a sin 
it's nearly impossible to to shift their their understanding to the real sin is hate and and love is 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 you know where you need to get to um mm -hmm. but but we get caught up in these details you know as human beings i've noticed and 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 we start to we put rules over humanity that that deny other people their humanity and their right to be and express who they are at a, at a full and complete level and it's so important that people are allowed to express themselves as they are uh, because then you're going to get 100 percent of who that person is you're going to get their beauty and their wisdom and their understandings um you know this this world is is not black and white it's it's all the colors it's all full spectrum and that that comes down to literally every aspect of humanity there's always a spectrum of energy that's going to be played within those things so when we find like you know naturally born hermaphrodites you know it's it's just that layer that's that's in between you know the the pure idea of male and female there's there's all these layers of understandings and 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 a huge amount of chemistry that that determines a lot of these things you and know? also in terms of gender the understanding we have of gender until now has been so limited and just binary i mean come on in india we have sculptures that date back to you know way before uh, christ and they're having a, a uh, orgies and they're having like threesomes there's homosexuality it's uh, it's very natural it's part of the culture it's in fact encouraged as you know a way to just express yourself and find out okay what really do I want and who do I want to be with and also the third gender we've had the third gender from uh, my god from eons and we celebrated them they have a, they had a special place in our culture until they were then vilified and I think being colonialized, sorry, being colonized had a really uh, detrimental effect on this aspect of our culture because suddenly the whole puritanical Victorian, you know, like, oh my God, savage mm -hmm. natives, cover up, cover, cover up your breasts, women. And, uh, you know, like, how, do, how can men have more than one partner? Or how can women have more than one partner? And why, why are men fraternizing with men? And why, how dare women lay with women and I mean all of these rules and they just took what was natural and made it extremely judgmental and sort of black and white like you said good and mm -hmm. evil pure and sinful mm -hmm. and wicked in fact and I think that's where the rot set in and ever since it's just been like it's 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 funny now the irony is that up until recently what few years ago the British uh, law that they had put into place, Section 377, illegal, uh, you know, like saying that, criminalizing, actually, criminalizing homosexuality. Now, there's, like, gay marriage is completely legal in Britain, but we're still hanging on to a law that they imposed way back right. then when those right. dudes were in charge here. Like, what's the irony, right? So they came in, decided that what we're doing is sinful, put in a law, then went back home and now realized, oh shit, actually, no, it's not. It's great. It's a gift from God. It's completely okay. But we're still hanging on to something they told us back then. Like, oh right. my God. So I love that you brought that up because I think, yes, 
even if we look at it from a purely selfish point of view, Gary, if we stop oppressing, exploiting, and discriminating against the LGBTQIA community, think of all the gifts they have to offer. Who do you, how do you know the next cure for the, the, the next, not the next, sorry, the cure for cancer is not going to come from a trans person who just yeah. grew up not being bullied, not being harassed, not being attacked, uh, felt free enough to show up in their passion and joy, became a doctor or a scientist or a data analyst and discovered the cure to cancer. How do you know that somebody who whose gender, whose sexual orientation or their lifestyle preference is different from the binary, does not have so much more to offer the world and instead is busy shivering in a corner, unable to speak because they've been traumatized so badly from such a young age repeatedly just because you know because we live in a world where we allow that so i think yeah, yeah. it's it's something to think about and if in any way you know i can be part of a movement that minimizes the damaging effects of all of this cultural bullshit um and it's also political in many ways i think it is political the, the fact that our bodies are being politicized and you know our rights are being taken away from us is just uh it's it should be much more alarming i think we're all very numb we're kind of are we okay with time yeah 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 we're good okay so yeah we are um, we are getting numb in terms of where and especially post pandemic gary we've all been just assaulted with so much of chaos and you know uh uncertainty and just fear and anxiety that what do we do? We self-soothe, we numb, we seek comfort. And then there's the danger of us getting stuck there. Mm-hmm. We're easy to manipulate when we are not aware of what rights we have or what choices we have, or if those rights and choices are even taken away from us because we're just so busy self-soothing. We're like, okay, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm just numb. Yeah. I want to stay in the dark because the dark is soothing. And what we don't realize is what's being done with our rights and with our ability to choose. So is there a movement to get this law completely gone at this point? It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's oh, it is gone. gone. I it mean, is gone. Uh, it is gone. It took a lot of, it, like I said, Section 377, it, there were communities and uh, organizations working for a really long time to get it uh, abolished. And there was a huge uprising finally and then we got it repealed and then some jackass decided no 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 this is not happening and went to the supreme court and you know kind of got it sort of reinstated sort of uh, like basically overturned got the judgment overturned and then it had to go back again so but yeah but now it's where it's so now at. it's through the supreme it's, court uh, so it should be a done deal yeah, now it's a done Good. deal. And we're hoping to get to the point where we go past that and now make it legal to have, you know, same-sex marriages and what have you. Does India have any cultural icons who are uh, transgender, gay? Oh, okay. I'm going to name just one because there's a long list. Oh, but good. I'm going to name just one. And I just spoke about her in another clubhouse room. And I was so proud to be able to share that. So her name is Gauri Savant. And I've met her in person. And oh God, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> she is, and I, and I didn't meet her at some 
significant event or at some conference or something. I met her in the local train. Okay. She was traveling by local train. I was sitting next to her. I was her, I heard her speak. I turned. The train was relatively empty. It was the afternoon. And I heard her speaking on the phone and I'm like, oh my God, it's her. And very sheepishly, I like very, you know, gingerly kind of approached her. And I'm like, hi, I just want to talk to you and tell you that I completely admire your work. And I'm, you know, I'm an ex-journalist and I'm this and this, and I have my own little NGO. And I was wondering if we could one day maybe collaborate or learn from you. And, and she was so warm and she just immediately started chatting and everything. And then I saw this other side of her when a random woman came and recognized that she's also, well, she's also a celebrity um, and said, oh, can I take a photo with you? Again? And she's like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, I'm having a conversation. Uh, please, I, I don't want to be interrupted. And no, no pictures. Uh, you know, you can go to my website and whatever, whatever. Something she said nicely to her. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, I saw that shift and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's not that she talks to everyone. And I felt like, Mm, she talked to me <laughs> and we, we, we spoke for uh, as long as you know, she had to get off the train and she said she gave me her number her actual private telephone number mm-hmm. now okay let me put something into context Gauri Savant first transgender activist who appeals to the courts because she wanted to adopt a baby girl and um, the courts didn't allow her to one because she was a, a single woman Mm-hmm. And then secondly, because, hey, you're a single woman, but not really a woman. You're a trans woman. So even more, no. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what the what? And so she said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change this. So because of her, not only can trans people adopt, single women can also adopt. So can you imagine what a landmark thing she did oh, wow. single-handedly? Oh, yeah. That's what she's made of. So she was recognized and her celebrityhood sort of reached a peak when and I know you know this product because everyone knows this product, Vicks Vaporub. Okay. I think it was Vicks Vaporub. I'm pretty sure it was Vicks Vaporub. They did a campaign, an ad campaign on television where across digital media uh, where they were talking about, oh, you know, the love of a mother, like the child is sick and can't breathe. Mm-hmm. So they featured her and her adopted daughter, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was a child actor, but Essentially, the concept of motherhood, the epitome wow. of apparently a woman's life, but represented by this trans woman. So that yeah. was huge. What that media company huge. had so, the yeah. balls to do that? I'm, I'm going to look that up now that you asked me and I realized I don't know. Shit, I should have known that. Yeah, those, because, those, you know, those my mom worked in advertising. Oh, they, oh, no, 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 no. So they were smart too. Come on, of course. Nothing is done without some teaching but they won a shit ton of awards they won humanitarian awards that had nothing to do with advertising because simply by doing this it's also some it's a not even subliminal it's a straight in your face psa right on so many levels so this is who gauri savant is she also runs a and this is the cool part she runs an old age old age home for former sex workers because in that industry mm. once you age yeah. You have no value, apparently. So who takes care of you? Because your family has disowned you a long time ago. Right, right. Um, whoever was whoever was connected to you or attached to you because you were a, you were earning a very good income, now has no reason to be with you anymore. So no support system. Where do you think they end up? 
right? So she created right. an old age home for them. She also has a program which takes care of the children, especially the not only, but especially the girls, children of sex workers, so that they have a wow. choice if they want to grow up. And no shame if they want to get back into sex work, but they have options now. It's not the nice. only thing that they uh, have to do, you know? So... Yeah, yeah. I I have a full on crush on her. She's just incredible, very powerful, and uh, she's. Uh, I hope, I hope she gets into politics. I'm I'm hoping she doesn't, but I hope she does as well. Because if she does, she's going to bring in a lot of change. But there's also the risk of her getting drunk with oh. power and then getting manipulated by people. She's too smart to do that, but it's she's one person. So it happens. Yeah, I worry. Yeah. I worry. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for letting me share that. Yeah. Gauri yeah, Savant, man. How do you say her name again? Gauri, G-A-U-R-I, mm-hmm. Savant, S-A-W-A-N-T. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in the chat just in case you need it for later. Okay. And if you want to look her up. And if you find out which ad agency did it, you let me know. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that that is some cojones, um, you know, to do something. Oh, like yeah. Because you never know if it's... You know, you take a risk because, yeah, risk does get you out there and, and people will look at yeah. it and, and then you'll get that, you know, the viral reshowing, um, hopefully. But something like that. Oh, my God, that that could flip. That could just flip against, you know, yeah. vapor rub. <laughs> yeah, recently like, that's the last tried... thing we're we're burning all the vapor rub in <laughs> India, you know. Yeah. Oh, that would smell so good. But no, they also. um tried recent like uh, i think two years ago there was backlash against an ad that tried to talk about uh uh two women getting married and it was i think a jewelry ad and i, I can't remember what and then there was some negative backlash it was a beautiful ad but they had to pull it and uh, the the backlash was too high so you would know you really made it when they remake monsoon wedding with you know with, with two women Monsoon Wedding. Hmm. That was already a very controversial film. And uh, when did you watch it? Oh gosh, it's been what twenty years. It's an old film. It is a very old film, but oh I my watched God, it in an independent some... theater years ago. Oh. That just shows you what the kind of guy you are, because that's a film that very few Indians have even watched. And um, I mean. It was ahead of its time already, but it was it was so it just for those listening who don't have an idea what the movie's about. It's a, a, a fancy, big ass, typical Indian Hindu wedding, which stretches over multiple days. And, you know, all the relatives come together. There's multiple rituals and ceremonies. And in all of that, you know, happiness and pomp and uh, joy, there is this uh very terrible revelation that emerges of uh, childhood sexual abuse in the family. And it's handled so beautifully and so sensitively and so realistically, like, you know, it's not like, oh no, you know, uh, all is forgiven, let's move on. No, it's it's all that raw pain and the shame because the stigma is still something that's such a big deal in India and how, the survivor is shamed more than the bloody perpetrator who walks around acting like the gas whiskers. And all of that, you know, the whole gender divide and everything was addressed so beautifully. I think I want to go back and watch that movie now that you've reminded me. 
Oh, it's been so long. I'd forgotten the plot. I just, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it brought up all these issues, right? I mean, it was basically mm -hmm. about childhood sexual abuse. And then it also made you kind of look at the surrounding issues about how all these things are swept under the carpet and how predators are walking around completely scot-free because nobody talks about these things, even when you know. And that just makes it possible for them to have even more, uh, to, to prey on even more victims. So I think it was a very important movie. And I wish that people would focus on gems like these instead of just being obsessed with Bollywood and Bollywood and Bollywood. Bollywood, Bollywood. Oh. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the sex workers. I have a friend and one of my podcasts is with uh, Viva Las Vegas. And uh, she's a, not really a sex worker. She is a stripper and mm -hmm. also a dancer. And, uh, but she has worked for the uh, sex worker community at a high level in Portland. Um, and it really helped these people, you know, through, through a lot of things. Um, so yeah, that, that was an interesting interview. Um, but, you know, you think about all of the ideas that we have about, you know, these things, sexuality and this, that, and the other, and everybody has different ideas about it. But I really do appreciate where we're getting to as society in general. When you, when you look at India, even, you know, and you look at America 20, 30 years ago, um, and there's still enclaves of, of intolerance, you know, everywhere. And, uh, but it's opened up, it's opened up quite dramatically. Um, our mayor in our town, he just passed away, but he was, he was a transgender. Uh, it's interesting uh, with, with Stu, um, he presented as a woman, uh, but really never took on affectations other than mm -hmm. really great nails and great legs, you know, and, and he, and he had breasts implants, um, but he, he was never feminine when you would hang out with him. He was, you know, he, first off, he was a computer. I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful because it just shows that there are so many, uh, there's, there's such a vast array of human expression, right? I mean, mm -hmm. And when you sit to think about it, some people are overwhelmed. I know I was initially when I was trying to understand that, okay, when you say LGBTQIA+, what's the plus? And oh, wow. There's mm. a, I mean, a rainbow just has seven colors, but that plus is so much. And I'm still learning. I'm still understanding. And I'm still uh, marveling at the fact that the human you know, the human psyche, let's just call it, because our bodies are just the vehicles in which we, we, we are transported, right, through this existence. Mm -hmm. But the human psyche, it just has so many dimensions. We are multidimensional beings. And, and I just, I keep saying this because I think I want to remind myself as well, we're not 2D cardboard cutouts. So why do we expect or why does society try to box us in and is it because that makes us easy to fold and stack and transport into whichever dimension they want to send us to? We are multidimensional beings living in a multidimensional world. Right. So why not celebrate like, like the facets of a diamond, right? I mean, you can't even sit to count all of them. You're just busy looking at the beautiful prism and the reflections and refractions. So when it comes to humans, I don't understand that there are still people who think 
oh, you're either a man who marries a woman or a woman who marries a man, and that's the end of the story. What about women who present masculinely, but their gender is feminine? And there's women who, you know, were saying they were assigned female at birth, but they're actually at heart a man, but they don't want to transition physically, you know, because they want to keep that part. And it's all about choice. We all should have the choice to do whatever the freaking hell we want to do and how we want to be seen, what we want to be called. I mean, I have people who go like, oh my God, these days, you know, what is your pronouns? Like, who cares? I'm thinking like, if I call you Raju, when your name is Bablu, that gets you mad at me, right? right? If I call you Raja instead of Raju, that gets you mad at me. Right. How would you like me referring to you as a she if you were a he or any other thing? Right. And then they get it. Maybe. Kind of. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> right. For the moment. <laughs> so, I, I yeah. you know, it's it's challenging when you come up on somebody and, and you have an assumption of a gender mm. that mm. that, you know, it's a guy, you know, that's the assumption I'm having when I meet somebody you know, mm. is the gender they present as. And, you know, then they say, no, really, I identify as a woman. I'm just, you know, feeling like a jock today. I'm wearing my my jock outfit, you know. I'm feeling yeah, like and I didn't shave and, you know, right, I'm, I'm right. not taking testosterone suppressing anything or I'm not on estrogen or whatever. It's their right. choice. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I had two kids that grew up around us, the, the neighbor kids, and both of them... Um, they're 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 both like lgbtq but one is one is full transitioned mm-hmm. to man. and and mm-hmm. and i don't know that how full that that goes but all of life is presented as a man lots of testosterone took on grandpa's male pattern baldness if you didn't know that this person was, yeah. if you didn't know this oh, person no. was a female you would never know um, yeah good yeah. And actually, you know, he, he served in the, in the uh, army as a medic and was actually in Iraq and, and, and treated the Muslim people because they thought he was a man because a woman couldn't treat them Ooh. in that, in that environment, in, in that sect, apparently of, of Muslim there, there was like, no women don't allow, aren't allowed to treat. And she just didn't tell him. You know, or he, I'm glad. He, I mean, look at look him. at what gender norms he's breaking, right? And this is mm-hmm. what I was referring to, because as a woman, all her gifts as a doctor would not have been recognized or used. And as a um, man, she was able, or he was able, to save lives. And the right. same idiots whose lives were saved would not have let her or him With, do yeah, that simply because of life. their ex- exactly so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, right. oh, we humans are so funny. Oh, that's uh, amazing. That's a killer story. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, the hard part is watching somebody grow up a little girl and then flipping your own brain to be respectful. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, it's no longer this person. So you have an identity of a person and then that person shifts. Now we all do that to some degree. You know, we're children. And then I mean, yeah, children. how different is that from... You know, me having a conversation with my mother, like literally two days ago, where I'm like, mom, I'm 44. 
not four. And she's like, but you'll always be my baby. I'm like, uh, yes, you can say that in your head, but you don't get to treat me like that. Like, please, right. I'm a person. I'm a full ass grown woman. And you can't keep talking down to me or deciding things for me based on how you used to think when I needed you to do that. I don't need you to do that right now. And I could see her saying yes, but I know she struggles with it, right? So it's the same thing in a different aspect. We are not the people we were. So why is it so hard for us to accept that, okay, you were assigned female at birth and now you are who you really are. And just because I struggle with that, you know, acceptance or, or whatever my issues are, how mm-hmm. is that your problem? It's not your problem. It's my problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment we understand that, a lot of the uh, sort of focus and the onus is going to shift onto the people with that perception right. rather than the people who are being perceived. So when you when you have these you know faux pas, which you will have um, when, you, when you're dealing with the fluid gender world, you're going to come into a space and you're going to say something wrong. You're just going to. That's you know, how we learn. Right. I, I kept messing up pronouns and I was that person who was like, why do we need pronouns? And I had someone, and I'm going to say this in the best sense uh, ever, like with a sense of humor. That's the uh-huh. best sense for me. It's even better than common sense sometimes. And I had it transplained to me, you know, not mansplained, trans-plained. not woman'splained. <laughs> I had it transplained to me like, okay, baby girl, let me explain. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to learn. <laughs> And yeah. it was the best ex, you know, explanation ever. And I got, an, I got an education, not an education. I wasn't spoken to with any sense of, you know, superiority or, oh, you dumb hick, let me explain it to you. It was more like, come here, baby girl. Okay, I'm going to explain to you in a way that is going to be with love, is going to be with intelligence, and it's going to be with a whole lot of warmth and then the information. Mm-hmm. And we all want to learn like that. We don't want to learn like, oh, God, you're so stupid. Fine. Let me do you a favor and tell you so that you don't get yourself killed out there. No, it wasn't like that. It was in the spirit of, come, you don't understand. And that's okay. But I'm going to tell you how it works. And then you have a choice whether you want to accept it or not. And I think that's beautiful because for those who've had their choices questioned for so long to be so accepting of other people, and their ability to make a choice as well is for me like, see, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. Why do we want to control others? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't oh, know. if anyone can answer that question, I think it's because we seek to control everything. And when we realize that the hardest thing to control is ourselves, mm-hmm. we obviously want to project that, right? I mean, I. I have a temper and the only thing that pisses me off more than me losing my temper is other people who can't control theirs. Because I think when we have something in ourselves that we find difficult to embrace, to accept, uh, to even to dare question, mm-hmm. we immediately project that onto other people. And I have a feeling that everyone who hates anything that's different, whether it's racists, bigots, people who can't stand the concept of other people making choices about their own bodies, whether it's the whole pro-life, pro-choice debate, whether it's about, you know, your sexuality and gender, or whether it's even about 
should women work or stay at home and make babies simple uh-huh. things i think all of them are unable to accept something in themselves which is just too dark or too difficult and so then they focus that anger that inability to accept and just all of that chaos outward i know i, I did it for a long time i still do to a lot uh, a, a large extent and i'm working on it i'm yeah. working on it but the realization is there that every time someone finds i think it's yeah a lot of people say it you know but everything is really really listen to how it's said and what it means that everything that irritates you about other people yeah. is stuff that you can't fix in yourself something going on inside you exactly absolutely yeah, yeah and it's it's very telling it's so telling i mean we can spend our whole lives trying to be the best version of ourselves and we're still never going to get it done right and mm-hmm. that means it's an endless pursuit we well, mentioned that thing that we're we're all trying to work on ourselves i mean most people uh, i don't even know if most people some people give up but we're all trying to work on ourselves you're right and and we're trying to get better and and trying to learn and so when somebody else comes in and says oh i'm going to work on you you're like no, i'm already busy i already got that going on i'm working on me you know and your formula is not my formula one thing that i've noticed about people who are very um idealistic and and stuck in these patterns where they cannot accept other things is that they are afraid and that they need some sort of almost paint by numbers reality you know you, you know the paint by numbers where you said you put this is oh, color yeah. number 12 and you put your color 12 there and so everything has 12 is red or you know it's 6 uh, is yellow and 1 is pink and and it can't be any other way yeah right right so there's i think when people are insecure they they really need a whole lot of parameters within which to set their ideal self into you know that's why so many religions you know people go in and they ascribe to that this is true and there's once that's true there's no other ideas that can come in you know effectively Yeah but if you look at us you know from the time we're very young we're constantly seeking reassurance and we want to know that hey someone is in charge right some is, do we all know what we're doing here like you know this right, yeah, Instagram the that, that I love that there's like like does anybody know what we're supposed to be doing here no okay cool just checking and i think as as i grew up i and i realized that nobody knows everyone's winging it uh-huh. everyone's figuring it out every single day and on the flip side i think that's fabulous right every morning i get up if i get to get up right the fact that i got to get up is already a gift mm-hmm. i get up and i have a choice do i get to be the asshole today or do i want to be the nice person today mm-hmm. do i want to be the person who learns something new or do i want to be the person who's stuck doing the same thing i've always done and staying blind to the possibilities mm. do i want to be the person who opens up to the magic of i don't know or do i want to be the person who's like this is all i know this is all i want to do and this is all i have and i don't want anything to change every day we get to make that that choice mm-hmm. and i think every religion also and especially i was raised catholic and mm-hmm. um and i'm definitely not a practicing catholic i i 
think that these are guidelines. And when we forget that and we lose sight of the bigger pictures, we can't see the wood for the trees, the woods for the trees. We focus on just the rules. The rules are not for you, man. The rules were in general, use this beautiful thing that we have called the mind, called the heart, called the soul, and create your own reality. Every day we get a choice. Every second we get a choice. I mean, how incredible is it that you and I are sitting here connected through something that is not tangible? It's right. the internet. It's All on a screen that's, that's made of plastic. Absolutely. And yet we're talking to each other across different time zones. I mean, it's, it's, it's magical if you think about it. It's nighttime here. It's 1035 where I am. It's 10 o'clock in the morning where you are, 10 past, 5 past 10. Um, and yet we're connected. We're, we're able to engage. We're communicating ideas and feelings and thoughts and experiences and concepts and opinions. And people don't want to focus on all of this. and They'd rather just be like, oh, how much money can I make? And how many things can I buy? And how much power can I accumulate? And how much of that influence can I wield? on how much people to get more money and more power? And I'm like, I think you're missing the point, Bob. But <laughs> what are you going to do? You're missing the point, Bob. Uh, like that. I mean, it is true, every day. Though. Every day, look at you, you step outside, you're, you're living in a hundred year old house, right? Mm -hmm. That in itself is such a magical joy and a gift. I mean, a hundred years ago, this house was built with someone else's dreams and hopes and ambitions and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's still standing, keeping you safe with all of your hopes and dreams and ambitions mm -hmm. and your family and that in itself is a gift. And I think the moment we forget to look at these small, amazing things is when, you know, we start to spiral. We start to kind of get lost in the dark. And man, we have a lot of dark inside, which has to be there, right? Because there's light, there's dark. Without one, the other cannot exist. Mm -hmm. But we choose. We, we get to choose. I think we, we need to remember that we get to choose every single day. Yeah. You know, the people that I hang out with choose that, you know, like they choose their day. They determine their day. They decide this is going to be a good day and I'm going to be grateful for some stuff today. And I'm going to look around my world and I'm going to see all the magic and beauty and majesty in the stuff and the people, everything. And I'm going to take you, you do that and breathe it in. You do yeah. that on Clubhouse, right? I mean, you yeah. do that uh, every Monday, uh, no, every Wednesday or every Monday on Clubhouse. When, when so, is your gratitude room? Yeah, I do the gratitude room. So I'm a leader there. So a lot of times I'm just there watching people that I've recruited or whatever and make sure that they're mm -hmm. they're kind of keeping keeping it moderated in, in a correct way and not going off the rails, that kind of thing. Um, but I do host on uh, Sunday mornings, uh, team up with Candace, and then on Friday mornings, so eight o'clock. Okay, so twice a week. Twice a week, I do. I I actually moderate the room, and then every day I go in there and share some gratitude, just because it's it's a good habit. Nice. And if I don't, I it's because I'm I'm feeling like an ungrateful asshole. And so I, I think it's really... okay to feel like that too. Yeah. Right. Then so I really need grateful, to go in though. Right? We're double grateful. Yeah. 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 Cause I, yeah. I, I didn't wake up feeling like a, like a grateful angel this morning. I was an ungrateful asshole and 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the ungrateful asshole that I feel like right now because I need to feel that too. I need to just accept that side of me too. I need to yeah. accept the fact that I'm whiny, I'm grumpy, I'm not feeling so great. Mm-hmm. My mind and body are completely out of sync. I have to recognize the fact that I've been slamming my body with painkillers because uh, I didn't want to deal with some physical pain that was uh, that kind of crept up on me and and that threw me off balance and it takes time for that shit to get flushed out of your body. Oh, so man. just today I'm going to spend the first half more than the first half of my day, just being an ungrateful asshole, but also thinking I have a home in which I'm safe and I have a bed in which I can just fucking sleep. And I have people who care about me who are going to call and say, like, do you have food to eat? Do you want me to send something over? Because, And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm blessed. I have enough food. And just in, in, indirectly, uh, embracing your ungrateful assholery also makes you a little bit aware of how much you have to be grateful for. So yeah. that's pretty much how the day changed, you know, eventually. And now I'm here sitting here being extremely grateful for this conversation. So yeah, I'm, I'm not that angel who wakes up every morning going, today is going to be a wonderful day and I'm going to do only good things and be the best version of myself. Oh, fuck no. No, I want to slap that version of me sometimes. I'm like, no! Just go away. Let me have coffee first. <laughs> Let yeah. me have a good poop. Then maybe you come around and try that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, there's. Oh yeah, I'm all for the, for the good bowel, 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 good movement. bowel movement. Oh my goodness. No, 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 no. My doctor. I have a homeopathic doctor who I go to every two weeks. And uh, every time she checks, she does the checklist. Okay, how's your sleep? Okay, how's your appetite? How's your sleep? Whenever she comes to the bowel movements, I always have this big smile and these two thumbs up. And she finds it so amusing. I'm like, but why can't I be happy? A good poop is a good day. A bad poop means everybody is in danger of being murdered. So I value a good bowel movement, right? (laughs) That's why we eat well. That's why we make sure to stay hydrated because we don't want to be carrying around even more crap than life already is handing us to, you know, on a, on a daily basis. So yeah, no bullshit, no any shit. Just keep it clean, baby. <laughs> Except for the potty mouth. <laughs> I forget. Have you heard, uh, you know, Lolly Singh? Have you met him? I, I beg your pardon, who? Lolly, Lolly Singh. Lolly Singh? Yeah. He's, he's on Clubhouse. He's, he's hilarious. Um, Lolly Singh. Mm-hmm. No. But he says, no idea. What does he say? He says, there's two great joys in life. One is sex and the other is. A good- oh, no, 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 no. It's I, I beg your pardon, baby. That is not his. I've been saying this a really long time. And even yeah. I don't admit it. I admit it's not mine. I mean, I don't try to appropriate it. Oh, I don't think this he is- owns it. He just the- told it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the most underrated, overrated bodily function or the anything that we do with our bodies is fornication and the most underrated joy is defecation it's true it's just a release it's true oh yeah <laughs> i'm gonna share something with you it's a good you release a just real let it talker. go let it go yeah oh yeah <laughs> and and also I have to say, so this is a, a, a confession. Here's the juicy part of your podcast. If anyone gets to this point of the conversation, we've been talking for I don't know how long, but yeah. So I've been celibate for the last three years. And I have to say, 
I mean, I'm focusing on the good shit because there's no fornication happening in my life, but the defecation is on point. And I think it's, it's just, yeah, it's so much more beneficial for my health than getting laid. You know, I'm like, I can live without that, but this, this is integral to my mental, spiritual and physical and emotional health. So like, don't knock it, man. A good poop means you've started with a clean slate, literally the the you're lighter you're you're just brighter and you're a lot less full of shit than you would have been if you hadn't had a good poop and lord knows i mean you know sometimes i i can get really shitty and be very uh cutting or just get impatient with people and have that temper i spoke about mm-hmm. so yeah if you add all of that and you haven't had a good poop i mean watch out people just stay away from Simona today she's she's going nuclear she's literally full of shit today yeah just stay away <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah that's i you know it's funny though people don't admit it although it it's it's an obvious truth they don't admit mm-hmm. that 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 is a, a joy in their lives so i'm going to go ahead and say that it is a joy in my life Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when people keep talking about cheese plans and detox and I'm like, what are you doing all that for? Right. You're doing all that because you want to flush out all the bad juju and you want to make sure that you have enough room and that your gut is healthy. And how long did it take Western medicine to find out that a healthy gut is a healthy mind is a healthy everything. I mean, uh, come on. just last week, I think they figured that out. <laughs> You know, exactly it's, right you know, now it's and, and now it's Ayurveda the cause and, <laughs> Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine have been talking about this for like centuries and no one paid attention and now suddenly it's like oh my god yoga and I'm like yeah do you know there is an asana that is specifically to help you break wind oh I didn't know that one which one is that yeah yeah the I mean where you're on your head with your legs over <laughs> upside down <laughs> No, it's actually where your knees are drawn up to your chest. So you can oh, imagine yeah. like that's a, yeah. And and you're on your back and you're like almost in like, a, you know, sort of hugging yourself infant-like pose. But uh, I'm trying to remember the name in Sanskrit and it literally is like wind release asana. Like I'm trying to remember. I will send it to you when I find it. But yeah. So, I mean, traditionally, we all know that at the end of the day, man is just a bag of, uh, bones encased in flesh and you know if we keep all of this system stuff uh, organized and moving smoothly then we can do the whole Abraham Maslow higher consciousness stuff right if you if your gut is filthy and if you're if you're carrying around all this poop I mean it also alarmed me terribly when I found out that the average human being and again I don't know whether tests were done whether they checked for all cultures, because not everybody is the same right. uh, and weather is not the same everywhere. And therefore that amount of water intake would be different, et cetera, et cetera. But all things given, the average human being walks around with five, oh my God, up to five kgs, anywhere up to five kgs of poop collected inside our intestines. Oh my goodness. That's just nasty. 
And it also means that, you know, the more coated in your, in your in lined, your, in your yeah, intestines, yeah. it means that they have a lower capacity to absorb the nutrition from whatever you're eating. Right. So it's just like, let's say a shitty way to live, man. So eat clean, you know, poop regularly, drink a lot of water. I think that's the basis for just so general, much to build on health. that. Mental general health, health yeah. physical health, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being a generally kinder person. Cause you know, when people are full of shit, literally they're full of shit exactly in their lives because it's impossible to Absolutely. feel that gut pain and not have it affect your mental state. So I, you know, it's interesting this last year, I actually came down with, um, what a colitis di- diverticulitis. Oh no. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, the benefit is I lost a little bit of weight. <laughs> that probably um, was like this 10 pounds of shit that was in your colon. <clears throat> well, the thing is, is you, when you got that, you, you know, you'll get really hungry, but you're afraid to eat because yeah. it hurts. And it's like, that is the most bizarre thing. It's like, I want to eat, but I can't eat, you know? So you're fasting a lot. And then when you eat, you're eating, you know, applesauce and baby food. Yeah baby food uh, for me i mean this i think brings us to a, a segue to food because for me food is so much more than just you know eating to live and i feel that the few times that i've been deprived of that joy like you described like imagine you're, you're even afraid to eat you're and when you say you're hungry it means like your body's sending the signal that it needs fuel yeah but in terms of appetite you're like uh yeah i'm gonna eat because i have to and I'm right. scared to even do that. And I also have limited choices. And I think when I had COVID, uh, not being able to smell or taste for two weeks were the most disorienting two weeks of my life. There have been times in my life I haven't been able to walk post-surgery. Uh, I haven't, I've been in situations where uh, I couldn't speak, mm. but I've never <laughs> felt more not myself than not being able to smell or taste. I felt like this would be a horrifying way to live because everything about me, like I'm a very sensual and sensory person to the point where it's difficult because I feel like I'm uh, too hypersensitive to very bright lights, very loud noises, uh, mm-hmm. texture on my skin. I, I can't, I just can't handle certain fabrics. And I've been that way since I was a child. Things are starting to make sense now. And again, me wondering how much of it came from trauma, how much of it just came from who I am and understanding how I engage with the outside world, but smell and taste and to be able to do all of these things, to touch and feel and just experience the world, right? Because we are in, in a physical body and what a joy it is. Like when you just jump into an icy swimming pool on a really, really hot day or, you know, you're You've had a really crazy, all good? Do you want me to pause? All good? It's all good. Yep. All right, daughter, daughter came up. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I was like talking about how when you when you jump into an icy pool on a really hot day or, or you've been walking for like hours and then you finally get some place to sit. Sometimes as basic as that, right? It doesn't have to be about wearing a silk kimono or, you know, having somebody massage you with a feather or some bullshit like that. But just the basic joys of being in a physical body, I think are so incredible. 
And I feel like every time uh, we want to complain about something, I think even that is just something to be grateful for, being able to walk, being able to see, being able to um, enjoy basic pleasures mm-hmm. like food. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I cook. I mean, I, I don't measure because I'm not a baker. I mean, if I do bake, I measure. Um, but yeah, I, baking forces you to do that a little bit. But I did make bread uh, yesterday without any measurement. It turned out pretty okay. I ate yeah. some for dinner today as well. Yeah, it was okay. You can you can wing it. I think as long as you're paying attention, no matter yeah, what you do in like life. If you know your your general ingredients and you know mm-hmm. your texture, your in texture, then then you know whether you got it right. You know if if you get yeah. to that point of of understanding. But yeah, and if you mess up, you can still eat your mistakes. Remember, that's right. So when I when I do mess up, I do eat my mistakes and and I learn from them. You know, it's like, OK, mm. don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, you needed to do this, um, that kind of thing. But really, once you get down to the basic flavors, you know. Just recognizing that okay i need a little more sour i need a little more bitter i need a little more sweet i need a little more hot i need a you know a little more uh creamy i need a little bit more umami something something needs to fill this out you know um but once you get down to those basic elements salt fat what should you call it salt fat acid heat acid heat yeah Mm mm-hmm then you then you start to get some somewhere and then recognizing that heat increases typically sugars in almost everything it it brings out the sugars in almost everything um it turns you know caramelization and, and there's so much flavor that can be done in just bringing those sugars around like you know if if even if you're doing a vinegar based dish and and you rent, you know you keep reducing keep reducing then eventually that vinegar becomes a sweet sweet sauce you know oh yeah and and so it's just it, that there's the heat factor and i don't know i just so we, we grew up I, my mom single mom and i was the oldest kid and so i i did most of the the cooking which was you know what do we have and how can i throw it together and make it work you know? yeah so, For me, that's cooking, Matt. That's cooking. Not like opening a recipe book, although no shade there. Whoever's learning to cook, however they learn to cook and however they choose to cook is up to them. But for me, the, the okay, I'll say it. I respect and a little bit uh, admire, I'm in awe of people who can see, okay, open the fridge. There's literally this, this, and this. And in the pantry, that, that, and that. Okay. What can we do with it? And then to make something, for me, it's alchemy, man. I mean, That's fuck exactly turning stone into gold or iron into gold or anything into gold. The real gold is the gold that you can create out of taking random ingredients and bringing together something that someone puts into their mouth and then they're forced to close their eyes and exhale with joy and their face just cracks into a smile. And, and you did that. You made yeah. magic. hmm that's cooking for me. Simple, simple stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, Michelin starred guide type of food. Although mm-hmm. that's also fun, but a simple thing, just simple, simple, the way you cook an egg 
or the way that you bake a potato or the way that you make the, the simplest roti but when you roll it and just like dip it in a little bit of ghee or you want to have it with some mango jam uh, <laughs> that's that's enough for me it's enough for me so it's almost like you don't feel alive when you don't have these flavors it's like what life is is flavor <laughs> people laugh at me when i say that if i don't get to cook i don't feel well i don't feel like myself and which means that if i'm on vacation and i don't have access to a kitchen there's only so much of food i'm going to enjoy i'm like me my joy is in, in creating and feeding people i love eating yeah sure but doing only that it just feels off to me and i recently went on the first vacation i've taken in several years and i was overjoyed because i was being hosted by a very kind person and uh, that person's sister is <laughs> a professional cook who was not there but i had she was completely okay with me she was like oh yeah please uh, on the phone she was like oh welcome i hope you have a comfortable stay and please feel free to just you know do whatever you want in my kitchen and i'm like oh, really and oh the joy of working in a kitchen where people have more than one shitty knife they've got knives they've got pans they've got organized spices and i'm like i'm in heaven and that's when i really felt like i was on vacation this person kept asking me like it's so hot cuz I, i was drenched in sweat it was it's goa it's like summer and i was like i don't care i'm so happy <laughs> and i was just like cooking for just him uh this friend and myself and uh i mean it's it's interesting when you're in someone else's kitchen and if you can still most kitchens have the same sort of organizational setup and you know but with a professional chef you're like okay this person really gets it like you know the the, the cooking spoons the ladles everything's organized that means you can cook like you just know you're going to reach for this and reach for that mm-hmm. and to do that in an unfamiliar kitchen oh boy that doesn't happen that doesn't well, happen a so a kitchen where people I don't was in cook. heaven have you been in those like the pretty perfect kitchens oh my god i hate them yeah i don't i don't i don't know those kind of people i i don't want to know those kind of people i i know those kind of people but well, you, we're yeah, not you friends you did articles on those people you know <laughs> nice cause like oh yeah oh yeah oh my god those kitchens and i always wonder like but wait you have a pristine white marble countertop you can't cook indian food here like one drop of turmeric and it's over it's, yeah and they no, were like oh, no no that's just the show kitchen and i'm like so where's the real kitchen <laughs> i was like <laughs> right show kitchen show towels so yeah show everything show off mm-hmm. also i visited a friend in sweden uh the last time that i i can't call it a vacation but yeah it was the vacation that saved my life um and i was just overjoyed because i was there for 3 weeks uh i may have eaten two swedish meals mm-hmm. one of them was at the airport when i was leaving sweden because the whole time i was cooking and i was hanging out with afghani folks and eating okay. their cooking which is very similar very yeah. so i'm like oh my god you guys make the, this pulao like this we just do this and i'm talking to her and she's speaking to me in in 
a combination of Swedish and Pashtun. I'm speaking to her in English and some Hindi words because there are some overlaps. And I'm teaching her to make chai and I'm teaching her and I brought the tea leaves from India, right? I'm like, this is the gift I brought for you. And I'm teaching her that, okay, the chai, uh, when you add the milk and the sugar and you have to let it boil and come down and boil and come down. And then when it's like my color, not your color, mm-hmm. my color, that's mm-hmm. when it's done. If it's your color, you need to let it boil more. When it's my color, it's ready. And she laughed. She was just laughing. She's like, oh, I'm never going to forget this. And I'm like, you can't put that in a recipe book. It's just it's just an experiential sharing moment. And yeah, so because I was in a very bad shape before I went to that uh, to Sweden, all of that cooking and sharing and the food and all of that, it really, really had a very, very healing uh, effect on me, very soothing effect on me. So I need to cook. When my house was getting renovated in 2020, which ironically was exactly one month after I opened my uh the hot chef's kitchen as uh-huh. a sort of food business. Mm-hmm. And then I had to stop because renovations, because my house was like, it was destroyed in the flood. So my mom was very kind and she's like, okay, let's just fix this up. So I had to move into a temporary accommodation. So of course I had no access to cooking. It drove me mad. Not being able to even just fry an egg and make toast. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't uh, do that. Yeah, I felt like someone had just chopped off my hands and legs. It's just, it just, yeah. What about Part eggs? of me went missing. Eggs are the best. The best thing ever. Eggs are the best. The best <laughs> I'm never going to turn vegan, damn it. <laughs> I, I'm a wannabe vegan, but, and I want to do it for the animals and for my health, but damn it. Everything's just so Tasty. The way I figure it with with eggs is if you actually like I have friends who have chickens, you know, and they treat them well. Okay. They're, they're well-treated chickens and they get to live in this in this beautiful area and, and eat food every time they feed them. They get food and they give them Cheerios, which is chicken crack. Apparently, they're all like, oh, it's a Cheerios. You got to get more. That is crack. Listen, uh-huh. Cheerios are crack, period. Whether it's mm-hmm. for chickens or children. It's it's serious or awesome. I I I'm glad they don't sell them easily in India because otherwise, yeah, you'd be talking to a crackhead, a Cheerio crackhead. Cheerios, Cheerios, and uh, so they love that. And but you know they're getting fresh eggs, and so there's no slavery here, you know, in terms of chickens. Like, but it's having... rare. No, but it's rare. And also, oh, if yeah, if you're is... getting eggs from the store, you're you're buying slave eggs. I live in a city, man. Yeah, there's. I mean. I live sort of on the edge and I could seek out maybe people who keep chickens, but again, it's, it's all down to convenience and, and we're slaves to our taste buds, right? That's the true slavery and because of which we enslave animals and we do all of these things, but things are changing. There's so many incredible substitutes that are available. So Yeah. yeah, I'm slowly, I'm in the process of transitioning. And I think a lot of it is just mental as well. Because I have cats and if somebody sliced up my cat and grilled it and gave it to me, I wouldn't be focusing on the taste or the texture. I'd be, I'd murder people, right? So, I mean, how is it different for a life that didn't ask to be, you know, did not come into creation through any natural method and for the sole purpose of satisfying my taste buds? So... It's, I've struggled with this since I was a child. I think there have been multiple points in my life where I could have flipped. 
the first time I saw a chicken being butchered and uh, I was very distraught. I came home. My mother just left me alone because she understood that something's going on that's, that she doesn't know how to address. Um, and then by dinner time, I'm there eating that chicken. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I, because it got, like I tried talking about it to my siblings and I was like, are you mad? It's okay. Like, you know, we are the center of the universe and everything that is put on this planet has been put here to serve us. So what are you talking about? And right. you're like, oh, okay. Because I do remember how tasty it is, even though I just saw it being murdered and that upset me terribly. And I, I can still see it. There was this like little gutter through which they let the blood go through. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I saw that going past and it just imprinted right on my mind. That That should have been the moment where I should have said, I'm sorry. And I love it that kids today are doing that. They're telling mm-hmm. their parents in no uncertain terms, I don't want to eat animals. Sorry. Yeah. And the parents are not going to turn around and say, you get to eat what I put on the table when you're old enough to live in your own house. You know, there's none of that. Your parents are going like, oh shit, okay, cool. Let's all turn vegan together or at least let's try. So I like that these shifts are happening now. So are you vegetarian? No, I'm a shameless, I'm a shameless omnivore. That's what I'm saying. I I suppress my conscience and then I feel guilty later. So I'm in this thing. So what I do to maintain my sanity, because clearly everything's about just like, okay, staying sane is uh, I go vegan. I eat one vegan meal a day. And in India, it is really not even so difficult. So I don't think I'm putting in that much effort. I can, I can do better, but one week, one, any one meal in my day has to be vegan. And in the week, any one day has to be vegan. So if I get to the end of the week and I realize, wow, there's not a single day that went by where I did not eat any animal-related uh, product, then that's the day I have to do it. There's just okay. today, no, yeah, nothing. And it's not difficult at all. I mean, yeah, you're in the best I'm country in the, in the world of, for eating Oh vegan. my God, totally. Well, no, vegetarian, yes. Vegan is still hard because as much as uh, a lot of eggs still, we talk about vegetarianism oh no no dairy it's the dairy yeah um, not even the butter so much as paneer okay the cottage cheese uh, yogurt um, ghee yeah kefir yeah you can have a, you can have an entire meal which is like fully fully vegan so you start off with your salad you know kachumbar which is tomatoes onions and cucumbers and mm-hmm. lemon and a little bit of salt and green chilies and coriander and then you have your lentils and then you have your pulao which is just rice and peas or cumin and whatever and then you have uh, some sexy aubergine uh, which is like a baba ganoush but spicier so and it's smoky because you've roasted the aubergine on the on the flame all of this is vegan and then you go fuck it up by adding some yogurt for raita or you put some ghee on top of all your uh-huh. dal and everything you're like oh shit this is not the vegan meal of the day for sure. <laughs> so like, right, oh, that gives no. gives that flavor, so, yeah. that nice tanginess. You want that? <laughs> you can make you can make yogurt <laughs> from pretty much anything these mm. days. So I make my own vegan cheese, and it is so yum. And yeah, don't expect it to taste like uh, like the mozzarella that I make. It behaves like mozzarella, it melts in the oven and all that. Oh, you get the sexy cheese pull, but it. Don't expect it to taste like the dairy mozzarella because then it's never going to compare. Just look at it as a separate thing. It's a cheese made out of cashew and okay. psyllium husk. Can oh, you really? believe it? Psyllium husk. Oh, yeah. Two ingredients. Two ingredients. 
cashews and you poop well helium husk oh that's, that's the best part i was gonna get there but you beat me to it <laughs> yeah psyllium husk is Imagine a nice that nice smooth filler ibs mm, it's it's beautiful when i i mentioned this in a a couple of clubhouse rooms some vegan platforms or something and they just went loco they just went completely bananas and then i said okay let's take this up a level i'm like i made cheese out of cauliflower what <laughs> come up come up on stage tell us the recipes and i was like sure no problem so we do have a, a pretty active movement in, in at least in the cities in india mm-hmm. which is helping raise awareness about veganism and sharing alternatives and for me always the biggest thing was sure i can give up meat it'll be hard but i'll give it up seafood is going to require some seriously intense therapy mm-hmm. but what about the cheese man what about the cheese and now now i'm making all the cheese so i mean i do also occasionally make buffalo mozzarella because i'm surrounded by freaking tabelas and tabela is basically where they just it's like a massive buffalo shed or a massive cow shed mm-hmm. so you can smell it for miles yeah. but they're also like chilling out and you can go see see them i love buffaloes there's just something about them mm-hmm. and uh you get raw and pasteurized milk that you can buy and uh and i come home and make mozzarella mm-hmm. so yeah best of both worlds at the moment but hoping to slowly move away from all the animal based stuff and just you know eat more plants it's interesting i remember as a kid i didn't like the steak and i didn't care for meats like they chewed back you know what i mean like you had to keep chewing as a kid i'm like you know i'm gonna go out and play this is really getting in the way of this wasting my time (laughs) right yeah but now you know now as an adult i'm like i love meat oh my gosh I, I and I've tried trained. vegetarian a few times. It, it, for me, I don't even feel good. That's the thing is I just start to feel really tired and weak and zero energy um, without meat. And I think it's just because it's been so much a part of my energy in, in my life. You think it's head? You think it's in the brain? Might be. I think it's in our mind, not in our brain. It's in our mind. It's two different things. The brain is just a physical <clears throat> part of us but our mindset of believing that so so this is also let's let's go back to this traditionally okay so uh, a lot of people are horrified with certain cultures with the things that they eat which is just i think totally stupid because like who said it's okay to eat bacon i think that's nasty and eating pig's feet is is like ew i'm sorry they came from the same animal in fact this right. is less uh, this is more zero waste than what you're doing right. but when you when you certain cultures would like this to like the uh, in one of these japanese traditions of eating a fish that's still alive mm-hmm. is simply because we believe that the transference of the chi you know like the life force of the fish and the fish is a very prized animal it's very very symbolic and it's it's part of all many asian rituals and ceremonies and you know it's it's very very symbolic mm-hmm. uh that chi going into your body which is why the, the fish had to be alive so that you could that transference of the chi would be immediate right because once you slay the animal the, the chi is released and it's it's gone so what you're eating is just a receptacle so i think this concept of eating the thing whose qualities you admire is something that we just figured out as humans a really long time ago 
and which is why so much of the illegal trade in rhino horn for sexuality it's what is symbolic right you're not going to get a penis that looks at like a rhino horn no matter how many rhino <laughs> horn powder drinks you're going to drink man right. like dude seriously uh you're not going to have the stealth and beauty of a tiger or the ferociousness and the the, the kind of the courage of the tiger just mm-hmm. by having you know some part of a again tiger penis soup or whatever i'm like yeah we need to stop being so literal man we need to stop being so literal you yeah. know the more prized the more endangered the more um rare an animal and then we we're just going back to our caveman days and we've come so far for what mm. but i think and there's an extension of that that you know eating meat will make me stronger well cows eat grass and are the most docile animals ever like really that's what we're becoming we're becoming cows we're sitting at cheetos in front of the on the couch in front of the tv just stupefied and too tired and too lazy and like numb because we're eating so much meat and 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 eating chickens i mean we call people like don't be a chicken where well, what are we becoming we're becoming these terrified poor creatures who are highly aware of their fate they know like and i used to for the longest time tell myself that oh fish don't have feelings you know uh that's just lies we tell ourselves to make it easier right. you know well, i watched it's, it's... Uh, elmo no finding nemo found uh, you know i watched finding nemo so i know that fish have elmo. feelings they actually talk in that movie those <laughs> fish they, they're talking yeah. they all talk you should hear what my cats say to me man these fuckers all talk they understand everything you say and to think that some are more intelligent or less intelligent than others or less worthy of you know being allowed to live yeah. and also oh my god what is with this theory that well if we stop eating eating them they'll take over the world probably not i don't even really want to talk to those people no i can't i just can't i can't talk to those people anymore yeah well there's always somebody with an opinion you know and whether it's yeah but at least not, let, it, but... let it have an iota of intelligence right yeah i mean I don't know if you've ever been to Kauai the roosters have taken over. They have. There are roosters everywhere. Everywhere you turn there's roosters in the grocery stores in Kauai. It's, it's one place in the whole planet. It's and, awesome. And you know why it's happened, right? You know why it's happened. Well, they just they let them out and then they just kept going exactly. and and they can't they can't catch them. and boars too they got a major boar problem over there which isn't good for that island because they do burrow and it you know erodes it creates erosion so what's the worst thing that'll happen the whole island will sink just yeah turn into the turn into the ocean the whole island do you know how many islands appear and disappear every single day where we don't even know there's probably a few out there like especially those archipelago archipelagos where they're just like really barely uh, above Maldives yeah Maldives and uh, the Andamans are seriously uh, because of because of climate change and because of the water levels rising because mm-hmm. of the ice caps melting so entire entire formations are just going to be inundated and i need to get out of bombay soon because we are now working on 
a coastal road project that's going to be for the 1% of the 1% who have cars and need to drive very fast to go fuck knows where and therefore cannot use the normal roads which are full of traffic. So they need a special road which is going to be built all along the coast like a superhighway but it's going to destroy not just the environment and marginalized communities who were here before Bombay was Bombay mm. but it's basically going to just invite ecological disaster and we've had flooding problems for a while now uh as somebody who has rained PTSD and whose house has been flooded twice and I'm waiting for the monsoons now with not bated breath but more like constipated breath and after everything we spoke about how much joy pooping gives me you understand how much this constipated breath is coming out of anxiety and fear and just be I need to get out of the city because we're all going to drown and Oy. the coastal road project is the biggest most expensive mistake that we are making so my goal is to get the fuck out of the city before they finish that project and i'm worried yeah. that i may not that brings us back to the beginning is you don't know what that city looks like what the other city that you could live in looks like in this world <sighs> it's not london it's not stockholm it's probably going to be in india because i think my country is so amazingly vast <laughs> and beautiful and i haven't had the pleasure of seeing all of it but the little that i have seen i'm i'm like why would i go anywhere else man and then be treated like a second class citizen while paying very high taxes no i want to go live in the northeast that is a part of the country that i've had near death experiences in i had my first crazy mad love uh, affair sort of feeling like a summer fling i had the first time that i traveled on my own without family and it was so many firsts and it was just the most so magical about, feeling because it Kashmir, doesn't feel like oh no Valley, not that far no, north no 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 kashmir is on my list but kashmir is very very let's just say contentious and uh, no this is the northeast so there's the oh, okay. used to be seven now eight states uh, they used to be called the seven sisters of the northeast uh the people who live there don't look like the rest of india they look more uh asian because you know of all the the history of the the mongolian horde and all of that and it's bordered by sikkim uh, sikkim is one of the states yeah. it's bordered by uh, tibet and uh, myanmar and it's just i mean it's a different land altogether the only thing that i have to kind of steal myself to sort of i need to yeah i'll have to steal myself is that it's up in the mountains no ocean plenty of water but no ocean yeah so yeah as long as i'm near some kind of lake or something i think i'll be okay but i am seriously considering cuz the level of education very high uh christian mostly but even those who are not christian it's it's extremely uh is extremely cosmopolitan in that sense that they don't it's not like oh only hindu or nothing else and uh-huh. it's it's more diverse in the sense that there's so many tribes and they they kind of yes there's lots of problems also but then come on show me any place that doesn't have problems and <clears throat> they celebrate their tribal existence and their ancestral heritage but also a way more modern than the rest of the country like 
these guys were wearing Converse sneakers before Converse came to India. They are always the best dressed, almost always. Um, there are, it was the rock, it is the rock capital of India. It's where rock music was literally sort of, everyone can play guitar or sing. And I'm like, what? What is even going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I know lots of generalizations that I'm throwing out there, but also, and the food, the diversity in the food, the diversity in in their clothing, their, uh, there's a lot of pride. Is that what Denkert was when of, we first came out? He was living up close. That way. He's he's close, but he's not in that area. He's in he's in Dehradun, but where I'm talking about is the states of Meghalaya, Mizoram, uh, Manipur, Assam, Tripura, Nagaland, Sikkim, and I'm always forgetting that one bloody thing. Yeah, so there's the eighth one that I can't remember. Arunachal Pradesh. Okay, again. They have something called the Valley of Flowers. Mm-hmm. It's called the Valley of Flowers. And photojournalists from around the world and botanists and botany enthusiasts wait so that they can travel at that specific season at the beginning of spring to this Valley of Flowers because it's stunning. It's just imagine like mountains and mountains covered with flowers. It just, mm-hmm. just, just bloom for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah, we ha- I have places. I mean, we have places in in this in my country that are so exquisite that other people come here, and I'd be an idiot to go. I want to live in Canada. I want to live in New Zealand. And again, no shade to the people who migrated there, but that's not my dream, right? I don't feel like I need to escape to a better life outside of my country. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I can find it right here. I have got the education, the opportunities, the, the exposure. And I'm pretty sure that wherever I go, there will be issues, there will be problems, but also there's going to be so many opportunities. And now with the kind of world we live in where everything is digital and we're all connected, it really doesn't matter where you live. Sure, some places have True. some electricity Especially issues and network issues, but... Yeah, I, I worked very hard to get to a point in my life where I can work from anywhere. And and now I'm asking myself, so why aren't you? Like, why aren't you? I didn't want to buy a house. I never wanted to put down roots. I always wanted to be a nomad. And my my fantasy was an RV, you know, uh, to buy a trailer and yeah. just have a little kitchen and have a little bathroom and a place to sleep and a place to work and, and be free. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans, right? <laughs> like Hale Lennon. So, yeah. I don't know. Like a, a nice travel show out of that van. Just today we're in this state and this is a meeting up with so-and-so and this is what they're doing here and this is their food. Oh, man, that would be a fun little... I have to force, considering the... like It's, it's ironic that considering I come from the media background and all of this... I still have to, I still struggle to remember to document and, you know, being with millennial and Gen Z friends has taught me that if you didn't take a picture, it didn't happen. Like you've got to shoot the video. You've got to take the picture. You've got to capture the moment. Just, just being in it and feeling it is, it's not enough because I I grew up a writer, right? And as a writer, you're just absorbing at that moment. You're truly, truly just being, feeling, absorbing observing 
Mm-hmm. And then you process and then you create. And it only comes out in one sense through words, which then paint pictures or whatever. And now everything's, no, no, no. It's, it has to be visual. It has to be video. It has to be, you know, captured and documented. I find it exhausting. It's exhausting. Like when yes. I'm cooking and I'm like, oh shit, I can't, I can't eat yet because I got to take pictures. And I'm like, it looks horrible in that this. Now I've got to plate it and I've got to garnish it. And then by the end of it, I don't want to eat this. Yeah, I've, I'm done. I'm done making other people fall in love with it. Like to make sure that other people fall in love with it. I've fallen out of love with it in the process. And it's really hard for me because, because, you know, we eat with our eyes and being on Instagram yeah. and advertising my food and saying, hello, please order from the hard chef is only through pictures. And I have to remember to take this picture. So mm-hmm. it is a struggle. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I think I'm just articulating it for the first time right now. <laughs> Up until now, I was just being the grumpy, you know, I don't even know what I am, gen, generation, whatever, but I just feel like old and cranky and like tired all the time. Like, oh, I have to take a picture. Like, oh. So, yeah. It's- oh, so where were we? I, I, we just took a break, folks. We're back. We'll give you a second. we're back and uh so i don't even know if you knew we took a break but we did and uh we're back and we've got a few more things to wrap up i think i do want to talk about your smoking podcast i i've been a smoker most of my life and i quit for about three years and ended up gaining like 50 pounds i was just a big big balloon and all of my other health indicators were going down. My cholesterol was, I mean, it was going wrong. My weight was up, my cholesterol was up, my blood pressure was up and I started becoming like diabetic. And so I was like, oh geez. So I started vaping and uh, then that got too expensive. So now I'm back to smoking and I'm trying to quit. It's so hard, it's so difficult. I tried to switch to vaping initially too. And now I have this $27, which is not a small amount in Indian rupees, of crunchy, munchy, vape liquid, e-juice with 5MG of nicotine, which Mm. is now 2017 to now, however many years that is. So it's toxic. I dare not vape this or give it to anyone else. So now I, uh, (laughs) me being the cheap Indian, I'm like, I'm zero waste. I'm not going to throw this out. I use like very little of it in a diffuser. Mm-hmm. And then my room smells with some uh, water and l- regular carrier oil. And then my room smells like crunchy munchy, which is waffles, pancakes, and cupcakes. Oh, And that's not a bad smell to have in a room at all. So yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, but quitting smoking, I think was the biggest gift I've ever given myself. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm also at the biggest I have ever been in my life. I'm crossing 106. I haven't checked in a bit. It's very demoralizing. So uh, last I checked, maybe a week ago, was 106 kgs. Mm. That's roughly 200 plus pounds. That is not a good place for me to be. Mm. I'm not short by Indian standards. But my frame was not designed to be carrying this amount of weight. And it's been telling, it's been yeah. taking a toll on my knees. Uh, 
it's just bad already. So, so yeah, I mean, the good part about quitting smoking, I used to suffer from a condition called, excuse me, endometrial hypoplasia. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed in 2017. And that's like the step one, which if you don't kind of manage it better or take care of it, it uh, devolves into PCOS or PCOD, polycystic you know, ovarian uh, disorder. And then if you still don't take care of it, then the, the third and final step, and this is, this, is a, this is not a maybe, this is a proven track record, mm-hmm. is uh, uterine cancer. So it's hereditary apparently. And my mom was diagnosed at a much later age. Also, she doesn't drink and smoke. So I'm guessing, you know, uh, she got diagnosed later uh, and had a hysterectomy. My sister had trouble uh, conceiving for the longest time as, and she basically spent the equivalent of, she could have bought two more houses uh, with the amount of money she spent on IVF, but she does have two wonderful children now. And no one thought to check the only other girl in the family, which is me. I got diagnosed much, much later. And uh, luckily in time, though, so I was put on a regimen of uh, progesterone pills, but not very aggressive treatment. I did have to have surgery initially, and then later it was just pills. Um, And I just went for a sonogram. Today's Saturday. On uh, Wednesday, and got the report the next day and everything's normal. I've, I've been cured and I can slow down on the medication and eventually stop it. And uh, excuse me while I serve my highest purpose of opening the doors and closing the doors and then opening them again. Go, go. Now he changes his mind out. Come on. Bye. No, it's more like a mouth. I'm like, okay. He's done grooming himself and licking his butthole. And now he's like, I want to be let out. Thank you very much. So I can go <laughs> shout at the stray cat who comes to visit him every night around this time. Oh, no, there's still time. But yeah, he's gone out in anticipation. And uh, they sit at, and yell at, scream at, they do a duet. Uh, uh, I have a catio at the back. So it's kind of like open, but he can't escape. And that other guy can't come in. So they sit and do duets uh, till three in the morning. It's fabulous. I'm surprised my name. Oh, God. I think they're serenading each other. I think that other guy's gay. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just ruined my sleep. But coming back to the... um, So yeah, endometrial hyperplasia gone. Can ease off the medication. And hopefully with that, some of the help with the weight is going to happen. But I also... I believe very strongly, I, and I know I'm right, that quitting smoking two years ago had also a role to play in this. Because otherwise I would have just been on that medication for life and it could have just, you know, never been cured. Mm-hmm. So I'm celebrating that. And, and then I'm like, but doctor, why do I still have all these crazy symptoms, right? Like, why am I, if I don't have that so-called hormonal imbalance related problem anymore, why am I still sweating like I'm going into labor every time? And Yes, it's summer, but changing your clothes four times a day is not normal. Being drenched, you know, when you wake up and your pillow is drenched, that's not normal. Not to mention the temper tantrums and the, if I kill somebody, I'm going to blame it on my condition. But you're telling me I don't have the condition anymore. So why is all this happening? She's like, oh, that, that because uh, now you're uh, menopausal. 
I'm like, uh, I'm 44. She said, yeah, women are, you know, women are having menopause at 38 and 40 now. So you're actually quite late. And I'm like, oh, no. So, yeah, so I'm maybe part Sweden. of the new club. Yeah, you can heat yeah. go to Sweden. You're, yeah, you, can, you got your own heater now. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> or, you man. know, yeah, at least, yeah, maybe northern India where it's a little cooler. So, yeah, what's the hot flashes see, hit? Now you see. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, there's no flash. It's just all the time right now the aircon's on, so you don't see me looking like I just had really, you know, either ran a marathon, I had some really, like, hot and heavy sex or carried, like, a bowling ball up a flight of stairs that, because the aircon is on and the fan, and that was done even before uh, our conversation started, so just I could cool down, and mm-hmm. it's um, not pretty. A lot of well, people, like when I do my, my heritage walks and all, like, like are, are you okay? We can stop. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just ignore all this. I'm fine. Just, just stay with my voice. Okay, don't look at me. Just stay with my voice. <laughs> and I'm mopping, mopping my face with a towel. And like my, 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 whatever I'm wearing is like drenched. Like you can see the outline of my bra because like my, my clothes are drenched. And I'm like, why did I wear this today? I should have worn something else. And they're always so concerned. Like, you know, we can, we can stop. Like, I'm like, We'll just get a sugarcane juice and we continue. I'm fine. Trust me. Just don't look at me. So it's it's interesting. And I'm happy that the pandemic meant that so many meetings were consider, uh, conducted on Zoom like this because then I have the AC and the fan and everything. And I don't arrive at meetings looking like I've been wrung out like a mom. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is hard. But yeah, coming back to the quitting smoking. See, the, being a smoker for 26 years, Gary, 26 years, I never thought. I never thought I'd be able to beat this. I'd grown up watching my father, you know, quit every year and not just once for every birthday. That was a shitty birthday gift. Like, you know what you're getting for your birthday? I'm like, yeah, you're going to quit smoking. (laughs) And then he's going to quit smoking again for my brother's birthday and my sister's birthday Uh and my mom's birthday, which is also Mm -hmm. his wedding anniversary. And I'm like, you should just get us gifts, you know, like, (laughs) stop. (laughs) It was ridiculous. It became yeah. a meme before there were memes, you know. We were like in right. our in our home, we were like, oh, you know what the best gift in the world is? <laughs> it just so, goes yeah. to show you how hard it is, though. I mean, he truly wanted to exactly. do that every single time. And for me, absolutely. But but then again, it's like, you know, oh, quitting, quitting's easy. I do it every day. So I think for me to be able to have done it and stuck with it two years and two months and like you said 14 hours and seven minutes and 36 seconds uh is a reminder that i keep using that as my thing that if i could do that i can do anything yeah the smoking is uh and that's basically what that podcast was for that it's not that oh i could smoking so can you it's that we need to talk about this because i think smoking is the most insidious habit of all gary if we were having this conversation whether in real life or on Zoom. And I said, okay, Gary, I need to take a break. I'm going to step out and do a line of Coke and come back. Or I'm going to go have a drink and come back. I mean, yeah, okay, acceptable because maybe it's like nighttime here or whatever. But imagine a conference room. And I say, okay, we need to take a pause. I'm really like, you know, I need a drink. It's 10 in the morning, bro. Yeah. Or I need to go to the bathroom and do a line of Coke. I would be fired instantly. But right. if I say, okay, guys, I'm sorry, I just need a break right now. I'm just going to step out for a smoke. 
ten people will join me saying, "Are me too?" Yeah. It's perfectly acceptable. It's not considered. Oh, it's just smoking. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's only other smokers who understand when you say, "Oh, I quit smoking." They'll either look at you with envy or with pity, or sometimes a combination of both. I always look with awe. I'm like, oh man, I know how hard <laughs> that is. That's crazy. And I've done it, it you know, is, and, and it is so hard. And what's I, weird is it doesn't give up. Like, you know, two years later, you know, there's, there's still a part inside of you that goes, oh, you know, that'd be real nice. Oh, yes. Addiction oh, is the most insidious thing. I, I recently had an argument with my mom and I thought that I'd put that fucker away in a room and locked it and throw it through away the key. But it comes up to me and says, you know what you should do? You should start smoking. That'll show her. And <laughs> for that nanosecond that my brain actually believed that. Yeah. And I had to step in and go, wait, what? Shut up. Fuck off. Go back into that room. Let me lock you up again. Because it's never going to give up. And yeah. I'm not even joking. This is, this is, this is actually not funny, but it's funny because it's not funny and we shouldn't be laughing at it. Um, my doctor suspected I had bone cancer because when I went in for some dental work and they discovered there's a hole in my jaw. Mm. Uh, actually, it's, like, it's right here. So just think, this is, this is I'm right-handed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally where the butt of the cigarette would have directly been impacting my jawbone. There is a hole. Like it's, it's not even a hole. There's like a cave. Like there's nothing in front and there's a, there's a cave. And six millimeter of bone loss is not a small thing. And no. And I'm like, oh, okay. So x-ray scans, all of those things. And after they got the results, they were like, oh, cool. So it's not bone cancer. I'm like, is that what you guys were suspecting? I had a feeling when you told me to go get that expensive ass scan. They were like, yeah, but we don't like to say these things unless it's confirmed. So... I'm sitting there laughing and telling them that, oh, cool. Because had you said cancer, you know what I would have done? And they're like, what? Don't worry. We, we have, if, there, if it was cancer, we would have had a treatment plan. We would have support systems. And I said, no, 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 no. I would have just gone downstairs and bought a fucking packet of cigarettes and be like, fuck this shit. Okay, now I can smoke again. And they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. Giving up smoking is the hardest thing in the world. And not just like one day, forever. And when I spoke about waking up and choosing Gary, that's what got me to two years and two months. And it's every day I just choose that only today. I'm only not going to smoke today. I don't think about the future. I don't think about how I'm never, ever going to be able to be a dragon with like smoke coming out of my nostrils and have that, you know, that sexy bitch kind of vibe. I'm never going to have that again. And that's a huge sacrifice, but only for today. I just have to think about today. If I can get through 24 hours of this, I get to choose again tomorrow. And who knows? I might go back to smoking. It feels fucking great. It tastes like shit. It makes you smell like shit. And not the good shit, just the bad shit. But the reason that smoking is so hard to give up because it's tied into so many different things that have nothing to do with the actual habit and to give that up is so difficult that I think the first time I quit 2016 literally Valentine's Day I walked out of Suvarnabhumi airport into Bangkok and said this is going to be a great weekend and I'm going to give myself the best Valentine's Day gift like as Bollywood as you can get 
I'm like going to give myself the best gift ever. And I took that packet of cigarettes. And because I'm Indian, I couldn't throw it in the trash. I said, no, I'm just, it's, it's money. I can't waste that money. I leave it open and I'll keep it on the ledge above the bin, above the ashtray. So maybe another smoker might take it and, you know, it, it won't be wasted. But that's my last cigarette. I lasted three months. I didn't just last those three days in Bangkok on holiday. And I had a blast. I also have a friend who did not murder me because I know I was a fucking pain in the ass oh, at some man. point. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that friend needs an award. Um, I came back and I was clean for three months. I didn't cheat. I didn't go and stand next to people who were smoking and be like, can I just, can I just stand here next to you? No, yeah. I didn't do any of that shit. I, I went to work. I, I hung around with my smoker friends. I did, I did not cheat. And then I, I got cocky. I thought I got this beat three months, man. I'm a rock star. Yeah. And I went on a fucking Tinder date with a chain smoker. Mm. The date wasn't so great. The sex was terrible. But by next morning, <laughs> guess who's putting other phallic objects in her mouth? <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that was my mistake. I got cocky, right? I believed that I'd beaten it. And I think for me, that was the mistake. And so I respectfully stay away. I've had to change a lot of things in my life, including, you know, moving out of situations where I know other people will be smoking and that I may get tempted. So again, thank you, pandemic. I think choosing to do this at the beginning of the pandemic was perhaps the most foolish, but also the bravest thing to do. And I think it was the best gift ever. So every day, even now, I never get cocky. I miss it like crazy. Uh, I came very close when I was teaching a podcasting workshop at a beautiful uh, French institute in, in Bombay in December last year. And uh, it was already pretty tough physically because I had to travel two hours to and then two hours back every single day for five days in a row. Jeez. But it was a joy. I love teaching and I'm, I get very excited about podcasting. Mm-hmm. And this is a bunch of 21-year-old know-it-alls. So I'm like... I'm going to show you, okay, who's the boss. And I love the experience. But I think it was the second or third day. Um, the kids were already like, they're like, okay, she's not a regular teacher. She's a, she's a wacko. So they were all a little bit afraid of me, but also a little bit in love with me. Mm-hmm. And they asked for a break. They came back from the break and one of them was still late. And I was like, okay, teaching, 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 la, 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 giving them the assignment. And then he saunters in and I'm like, and he sits down. And he's the most soft-spoken boy in the class. So I made him come all the way up in front and sit next to me. So I was like, okay, you know what you missed? So they're all up to speed. I'm just going to tell you. And I, I bent down to tell him something and I got a whiff and I just punched his arm and I'm like, that's why you were late. And the whole class, of course, burst out laughing. And today, he was shocked and he was like, uh, uh, I said, you went out to smoke. That's why you were late. And then some part of my brain's immediately like, you do not touch students. That was not cool. So like I made a joke out of it. They were already laughing. And I said, okay, you, you're going to do extra work and you're going to get less credits and all that bullshit. And I'm going to take a break now till you guys finish this. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, Simona, what did you just do? You know, it could have, it could have been taken in the wrong way. I punched a student's arm. Yeah. It could have been turned around. I mean, in this day and age, you don't touch people without their right. consent. You don't, a teacher does not do this kind of shit no matter how progressive the school is and all of that. And I just realized that what had happened in that nanosecond was that whiff 
of, uh, you know, the cigarette smoke on him. And it just caught me unawares. And, and all I could think of was, oh, it would be so good. The entire uh, academy was air conditioned and it was freezing. I was like, it would be so good to just go downstairs right now. There's a chai stall, just buy a chai, stand in the sun and smoke a fucking cigarette between sips of tea. Like, oh my God. And then I said, you know what? Let's do it. Fuck mm. it. Let's do it. So I went to the lobby, which was empty at that time because everybody was in class. There were no teachers or guests. I sat down with a cup of chai from the cafeteria on the, on the sofa. And in my mind, I just closed my eyes and with every sip of chai, I took a, a drag of an imaginary cigarette and I drank the whole cup and I smoked the whole cigarette in my mind. And my mind didn't know the fucking difference. Oh, yeah. And then I got up and I got up because I let myself do it. Right. I, I didn't think how fucking stupid I looked or how ridiculous that moment was. I'm like, my mind needs this right now. And before I break that promise to myself and go downstairs, it's not my body that wants it. Nicotine's been out of my system for two years now. I mean, almost two years now. It's not my body that wants it. My mind needs it right now. So I just gave it to my mind. I sat there like a fucking moron, used a pen instead of a cigarette, drank my chai, smoked a cigarette. I don't know if the camera did record me and what people thought of it afterwards if they were looking at it, but I, I did that for myself. It took a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I stood up, I went to the washroom, washed my, I pretended to do all the things. Oh, sorry, I did all the things that, I would have done had I had a real cigarette because after you smoke, you fucking stink. So I washed my hands, rinsed my mouth and went back to class and I was able to focus again. Because up until that point, all I could think was, oh my God, I want to kill this kid and oh my God, I would die for a cigarette right now and fuck, I hate missing smoking and why do I miss it? I, it, I hated it and, and I can't think and I'm there to teach. I'm there, there to be in a certain role and function and capacity and I can do none of those things because <laughs> I was just going crazy. That and inability that to fit. think, oh my God, that yeah. uh, inability to <laughs> oh think God. that goes on for the first two days of not smoking. Oh. It's, it's like, you cannot, there's just no way to do thinking clearly it. Your head is just, it's, it's really hungry. You know, it's like, yeah. it's screaming at you. Exactly. You want to shut it up by just putting another cigarette in your mouth. And that's mm -hmm. the only way to get it shut up. And that is, it never stops. It, no. it slows down because imagine having an argument with my mom. I'm, I'm shaken up. I come back. I'm, I'm upset, deeply upset. I'm questioning a lot of things and I'm like really angry. And then like, like imagine this fucker sitting in the corner goes like, this is my moment. This is my golden moment. You know what? You should show her. You should go back to smoking because she really is delighted and she genuinely is very grateful because she never thought that I would able to be able to quit this mm. and she really really worried for me because neither my brother nor my sister have uh, any at, at least I don't think so any addictions and me being a smoker really tormented her for many years although I did go to her office when I was 16 and said listen I need to have a meeting with you and she's like okay so I went to her office. She took me to an empty cabin. We sat down and I'm like, you know, mom, you know how you married really young? Yeah. And you know how you had me really young? Yeah. So, you know, they say like 
generations tend to repeat patterns and yeah and <laughs> you know you can imagine where she thinks this is going yeah and then i say hmm. so yeah basically you've been married to a smoker his your whole i mean the whole time you've been together he's been a smoker i just wanted to let you know i saw you smoking and you made me promise you that whatever the fuck i do in life i will tell you first and you won't have to hear it from someone else so this is just me telling you i don't want any advice i know it's not good for you i just thought you need to hear it from me and you could see she was also relieved but also like really mad at me because i tricked her <laughs> and then she did the whole bollywood mom thing she's like why don't you take this money and she took out a 10 rupee took a 10 rupee note out of her purse and said just roll this up and why don't you smoke this and i'm like no it will taste awful what's wrong with you <laughs> she said like oh god this kid burn so, your money that's what she was trying to establish and i'm uh-huh. like no it's just going to taste horrible why would i smoke that it's terrible but i think she's so happy and for me to think in that crazy moment of being upset that this addiction kind of tried to get in the way and say you know what would really piss her off start smoking again that'll show her and for me that was a wake up call that this insidious addiction can come back at any time and i always have to be vigilant so i just always say i'm a smoker for life who chooses not to smoke i will never be that person who can take a drag from a friend's cigarette and leave it at that like alcoholics who are alcoholic for life but right. choose not to drink because they know that one sip is never going to be just one sip or one drink's never going to be one drink they are going to end up blackout drunk in the gutter with a black eye with missing clothes or whatever and no memory there's no in between mm-hmm. and it's okay i i accept that about myself it's it's my flaw it's my fundamental human flaw <laughs> among the others many others that i have otherwise i'm bloody perfect yeah i got just a, a real close to getting off of them a few weeks ago and then you know other shit comes it's so easy like when other shit comes on and you're like ah new sarah it would be so easy right just mm-hmm. just yeah i did hypnotize but wait you said time. three three years you you've been clean three years no i have i'm smoking again i i, I started smoking oh again. no mm-hmm. no i was i was off for three years but i had gained 50 pounds <laughs> and like my health was crap because of the weight gain I started smoking and, and di- I lost weight the diabetes. Ooh, and the diabetes. And I, 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 okay. So here's the thing. I started losing this weight again when a, I went to vaping. But this is the cultural thing that we also need to examine, right? That, that this weight thing, the size yeah. thing. Well, it wasn't I mean, the yes, size as much as health. like it was health. I mean, that was literally all my mm. markers were wrong. You know, cholesterol was way up. Blood pressure is way up. Um, diabetes is starting up. Um, all of that stuff. So I did go to vaping smoke? about a half a pack a day. 10 cigarettes. Mhm. Hmm. I have to ask because in India we get packs of 10 as well. So I have to clarify when you say half a pack. I know I think in the in the states it's only packs of 20s. You don't get smaller yeah. packs. No, you don't get smaller packs. You And you definitely have- don't get singles. We get singles. We can buy one at a time if you want. See, yeah, if, depending on the market you go to, you can find singles, you know. um uh, but um beedies i was wondering about those are those high in nicotine they're gross they are the most vile things ever 
ever. Like, oh, people, I don't know why a lot of foreigners come to India and get besotted with BDs. It's just, uh, it's just nasty. So is it higher nicotine? Okay, let me say this. Yes, it's more natural because it's literally just the tobacco leaf which just folded a certain way and then sort of tied with a little string. Yeah. Uh, and they're very cheap because they're usually made with like the equivalent of slave labor. So little children because, you know, deft little fingers or women. Okay, mm-hmm. so think about that. This is like mm-hmm. sweatshop cigarettes. Uh, and because they're so cheap, you can imagine how little those people are getting paid. They get paid by the weight. So if you oh. roll like, uh, 2000 of those maybe you'll make 100 rupees like maybe so <clears throat> one they're very cheap eco-friendly packaging and all that shit because it's just paper and it's leaf and string no plastic and there's no chemicals supposedly because the regular cigarette most people are not just addicted to the nicotine Right. Yes, nicotine gets the bad rap, but what about those 3,742 chemicals that are in the, mixed in with the tobacco? There's salt, saltpeter, saltpetra in it, which helps the cigarette burn faster, so you just end up buying more because you're like, fuck, where did that go? I need another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also the bleach and the other chemicals and the glue in the paper mm-hmm. and the filter. So you're actually inhaling a cocktail that's way more laced with way more shit than just nicotine. So people who roll their own cigarettes and buy the unbleached natural hemp paper and the hemp filters and all of that, I mean, you're not treating the tobacco. However organic it is, it's still treated with something. Well, it's still nicotine, which is toxic, you know. It's the main thing. Nicotine is the main thing, but there are all these other things supporting it. So people who start, I started rolling cigarettes in the beginning, thinking that that would one slow me down because otherwise you're just picking from a pack, right? It's ready. It's like instant noodles. You just boom. But when it's rolling, you're very intentional about it. There's a certain Zen element. Then you feel superior to other human beings who are smokers. So then I realized, fuck this. It's not giving me the same, same hit as mm-hmm. packaged, you know, manufactured cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And then I was made aware of the fact that the amount of chemicals that we keep smoking as cigarette smokers, mm-hmm. we get addicted to those as well. So there's layers. It's not just about nicotine getting out of your system. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the weight thing, all I tell myself, as much as I struggle, and oh, when you're a woman in India who has chosen to stay single, um, weight is... Yeah. Yeah. I struggle a lot with my own mother who means very well, but can't stop herself from unintentionally food shaming me or size shaming me. Mm. And that adds another dimension to our already very precarious and complicated relationship, but which we're both still trying to work very hard at. So I tell myself that the 26 years of damaging my body with cigarettes and all the other fun stuff it must have done to me. Uh, the weight, it's okay. I'm trying to kind of be more compassionate with myself. It's not easy because the weight was also impacting the hormonal imbalance, which would then maybe make me put on more weight. And that was a horrible catch 22. But just being compassionate with myself that, okay, you know, right now, mm-hmm. it's, there's been a pandemic. It's been really hard. You've also managed to quit something which you were struggling with for 26 years. Mm-hmm. 
just be okay with just it's okay food is comfort right now that's okay mm-hmm. you ain't getting laid you're you're definitely not going out and doing any kind of shopping or any other thing which is indulgent and if it's food that's going to give you comfort right now and i know that i'm not overdoing it like i don't i don't binge i don't uh, i was always also raised in a home where things like snacks and drinks like uh, what do you call it? soft drinks or what soft you call drinks, be- yeah. those uh, carbonated beverages was just never uh, encouraged or just not there yeah mm-hmm. and so i'm i genuinely feel like oh, i'm an adult nobody can stop me and i go out and can buy a bag of chips and come home but then that's it i i don't reach for it naturally mm-hmm. and uh, because i can cook and i have this gift right i can cook i can cook i can make my own drinks uh, in fact oh here it is so this is in a in a different plastic bottle but this is actually called am panna and what you do is you take raw mangoes and you kind of cook them and cumin uh, just a bunch of spices mm-hmm. and cold water i mean you cook them and then you cool them down and then you add cold water so it's this tangy chai <laughs> it's a it's a it's a raw green mango drink which actually brings down your blood pressure because it also okay. has fenugreek cumin cum, not cumin fenugreek and fennel uh you you boil it with fennel seeds and fenugreek oh, yeah. seeds and uh uh and cumin actually there's a there's five of them and uh we call it bishop's weed carom seeds so all the sweet seeds uh... carom is not sweet neither is fenugreek only fennel fennel is cumin is warm so mm-hmm. yeah but anyway you boil all that shit together and strain it and then it's a delicious drink so because i can do all of these things so i'm managing stuff what i need to do is get my ass out of the house and walk and work out i'm yeah. working on that slowly yeah the mental block for that is much higher because remember i grew up locked up in the house in somewhere in my head i'm still in that house uh-huh. choosing to read and watch stuff on my phone and my computer rather than remember that I'm an adult I'm not locked up anymore I can go out oh but it's so much nicer inside right so it's that <laughs> crazy thing it, it's so funny like we grow up and yet all the time we're just reverting to the way that we were as little kids and whether it's our traumas or our habits or the way that we used to think i think essentially when i was growing up okay this i have to end with this let this be the closing statement my entire childhood mm-hmm. i grew up feeling like i was an adult trapped in a child's body i'm like couldn't wait to grow the fuck up and be in charge uh-huh. of my life and now i'm walking around feeling like a child trapped in an adult body isn't that funny it's never in the right space oh my gosh i think everyone can relate not everyone but i'm sure many people will be able to relate to this i was the kind of kid who used to end up having debates with adults and and then when they finally realize they're not winning they're like you're a child what do you know and i'm like i think i just won <laughs> and uh... walk away <laughs> and for me that was the most edifying moment but also the most frustrating like they get to win just because they're bigger than me right. i know i made sense i had them on the ropes and they gave up and just threw the last the last card that they had left which was such a shit card right because it's not even supposed to be a card I'm the adult. You're just a child, and you yeah. don't know anything. So I don't need to listen to you. And I'm like, bye. <laughs> I know I won. So I yeah. think also, also as children, you're really helpless in terms of 
even if you fucking know everything uh-huh. well i'm sorry you're the child i'm the adult i get to decide right so all a lot of decisions are made for you but also in terms of you're dependent on your caretakers whether they're your parents or whoever it is in charge of your life you don't have a say in many things and i think it's it's really important i'm really glad that i didn't have children or that i chose not to have any but i think it would be very very tough to be parenting in a way where you give them the respect like i don't know how you do it and how you raise your daughters but and i'm sure you're a great dad but i'm usually terrified with the thought of being in charge of molding and holding space for this incredible human being who may have come out of me but i don't think i've created them i think when people say like oh you know you're creating life i'm sorry you're just the channel yeah, you're you're just that yeah you're a railway station bro the, the train was already a train before it came to stop at your station and that's before right. it's going to continue on to another destination you are just the other station like that's it you're maybe a junction fine yeah. feel better about yourself but you did not create that person right. and to have that weight of that responsibility is just so much and i'm pretty sure my sister is doing a great job as well and that that idea that you get to shape and influence an already whole person mm-hmm. like we have to remember that right like even as a child they're already a whole person and i think right. one of the worst compliments you could ever give me at least is you know or i can hear anyone giving anyone is oh you complete me i'm sorry that was like the shittiest part of the jerry maguire film that i hated that continued as a meme but nobody needs to complete you we are all so whole we are all so enough and i think the day we realize that and we truly own it and we may have to remind ourselves every day is like the most incredible thing ever and that's when we feel like okay now i'm ready to go out and give my gifts to the world because right. i am complete i am enough i'm not lacking i'm not insecure that's it so yeah that's that's it. the point that's the point <laughs> and so many people keep looking for themselves outside of themselves and there's 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 no way to get there you really have to go in and all the little things that annoy you you about yourself you you have to go in and and have a conversation with them do the work mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. even just to acknowledge them you know to just to see them i've written this poem called going into the dark and i got to work with a really fun gen z a girl who uh it was part of a creative project so when i read out my poem and she was enacting it through dance and it was just so beautiful and it it's it's just about going into the dark was simply that you know when days when you really feel like okay you can't handle everything and you want to turn off the lights and you want to just go into the dark but me going into the dark i ended up brushing up against something that felt really weird and furry and it turned out not to be a monster they were my monsters but once i faced them they turned out to be really cuddly and they turned out to like embrace me and and comfort me and i was like oh okay so that's what you guys have been sitting and doing in the dark you're actually holding space for me to see the sides of me that maybe i don't want to or that i'm afraid of mm-hmm. and then that maybe that's what we need to do right the monsters hiding in the dark are baby maybe just the sides of us that we are scared to acknowledge and accept and embrace and once we do that we truly do become whole we don't yeah. 
We're not afraid of the dark. We embrace even that dark side of ourselves, the, the shadow that I'm now learning it's called, mm-hmm. the shadow work and all of that. Because nobody's just sunshine and unicorn farts and rainbow and glitter, you know. Yeah. We, we're, we're all... We're all equal parts, rainbow, glitter, and really smelly poo, man. So we just we just have to embrace that. I noticed the poo team is very, very, uh, <laughs> you know, is running through all our conversations. So clearly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Slightly fecal, but a fantastic conversation. Thank you for this, It Gary. was fecal, <laughs> but not full of shit. <laughs> That's going to be the tagline for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Cheese oh, fierce. Right. She's female. She's very fecal. <laughs> very fecal, but not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. You know what matters? Maybe I'll come back. Fecal matters. <laughs> oh, man. We've been talking shit this I'm whole show. Like, when, when people are doing like, you know, the financial report and they talk about fiscal. And I'm always thinking, what if by mistake she one day says fecal, like fecal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, this is like Gary. my favorite. It's my favorite oh, comedy. Just that is word. To actually, throw just in that word. Mm-hmm. The word itself. Who came up with that word? That's beautiful. Malapropisms. Like, go uh-huh. spell that for a spelling bee. It's amazing. I can't. I'm not Indian. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm. That's the way to end. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, guys. In case any of you missed that, uh, Simona Terran is very much Indian in India and calling calling to you uh, to please don't be a semicolon. Just get it fully flushed. <laughs> Period. Oh, crikeys. Let's do a little. Ow! All right. Well, hey, thank you everybody for uh, hanging out with us today. Uh, we had a lot of fun and I'm so glad that you joined us. And uh, Simone, and and i i think we just get along well so this is a fun fun thing so i think uh if if you like it share it with your friends if you don't like it you're you didn't get this far so i'm not even talking to you (laughs) so hey thank you all for uh, showing up and uh and uh it's it's been a great time and you know this is it's been a while since i've done my podcast so welcome back everyone um i've got another one coming up this week so we're going to start getting back into motion. Um, I did take a break and it was mainly to get my head wrapped around the acting side of my life that I'm building right now. So I'm working on acting and that takes a lot of energy and understanding. And, and so I was kind of deep into that. And now I'm, now I feel like I can do that and do this. So I'm going to um, add adding back to the menus, what I'm doing. So as long as gonna... it's a good motion, yeah. it's, it's going to keep it in motion. Yeah. No, it is motion. Yeah, just good motion. A little closer for us. A little something to um to flush yeah. the show out. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think I think we've got to get it in the can. Um, all we gotta do is basically just make sure that don't be a stool pigeon, don't take no crap from no one. Yeah. Celebrate yourself and just pretend like the sun shines out of your ass. Because if you truly fall in love with who you are and celebrate who you are. This world is the most magical place. We are just multidimensional beings who are experiencing 
a fabulous existence in this multidimensional world. Don't let anyone make you a two-dimensional cardboard cutout that can be easily stacked and hidden away. And just just shine and be who you are because no matter what, what it is that you're on this planet for, whether you know it or not, I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you are listening. And I'm glad that you know this incredible human called Gary because I sure am super grateful to know him and to have had the honor of being on this podcast. So that's me, Simona Terrence, signing out. And if you guys want to find out more about my funny toys called Fugly Babies or the project that I work on as the NGO to raise gender-based, to end gender-based violence and raise awareness about how its survivors need more attention and more protection. Mm-hmm. You know where to find me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, uh, Simona Terran. That's S-I-M-O-N-A. Terran is Terra, but with an N. It's T-E-R-R-O-N. And I'm on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Just find me. I'm sure if it's meant to be, we're going to connect and do magical things together. But until then, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a shit ton of fun ahead. Cheers. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And mwah!